cigars all around Cheers, y'all Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine little radio program known worldwide as Smoking and Toasting. Uh, I say worldwide, but that buddy I was telling you about that was traveling internationally and listening to the show when it would come out, he's back home. So I don't know if I can claim worldwide, but I needed to just downgrade to nationwide because that felt like, uh, I don't know. So uh, Your anyway. intro was pretty good. You waited a little longer before your well, well this time. Well, I thought you, know, you, you were gotta, being a little more tantric you, with it. You got to mix it up. You got to make it a little, you know, a, a, it, it, it's a rhythm and a flow kind of thing. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, it's like a good uh, sax solo in a jazz song like sometimes it goes one way sometimes it goes another way that's right do you realize i just compared the well well to a sax solo that's, in a jazz that's pr- song? i was i'm pretty <laughs> amazed by that actually welcome to smoking and toasting ladies and gentlemen it is uh our show all about craft beer fine spirits and hand rolled cigars welcome because you are joining us for show number 147 and we're excited to have uh, gotten that far no one here ever thought that would actually happen so we're you know we're, we're pretty stoked you know as long as we keep getting samples i think we'll just keep doing well this, it was right? the reason we started the show in the first place was <laughs> was samples and today uh should be another one of those wonderful sampling opportunities uh because justin gorfi is here Am I saying it right? Is it Gorfi or Gurfi? Jerfy like Murphy. Jerfy is, is the right way to say it. Okay. Well, I can be forgiven on this one because it's spelled G-Y-O-R-F-I. Very so tough. It's, not, Very it's tough. not the easiest one to just look at <clears throat> and pronounce, but Jerfy is the way you Correct. say it. Correct. Justin Jerfy is from Ingenious Brewing. Ingenious Brewing is in Humble, Texas, and so that's a... Uh, uh, I, I refer to it as South Dallas, but that's because I live downtown. Uh, but it's actually a, it's actually a suburb of Houston. So is that uh, is that because Houston's sprawling so far north, or because Dallas Dallas is sprawling south? I think it's a combination of the two. I think I think there's a point. If if the two cities ever actually overlap, that'll be like in the sci-fi shows if matter and antimatter meet. You know, like if you're be, north of 1960, uh, you have to be a Dallas fan. Is that what happens? I, I don't know. I guess I guess <laughs> that may be. A Texas I fan. guess that may be the case. I don't know. Oh uh, well. Anyway, uh, we are excited. There's so much great stuff going on in Humble, and I'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, but I just wanted to say, and this is before we even get into tasting the beers. Although in fairness. I've had some ingenious brews before, so uh, this won't be my first time sampling, you know, the brand. But I, I'm I'm blown away whenever I see one of those articles, and I'm always looking for articles, you know, that might be something interesting that we can, you know, reference on the show. And I'm always blown away when I see one of those articles about the great craft beer cities, and Houston is not mentioned. That's pretty amazing, especially. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I'm sorry, Dallas, but especially if you're mentioned, and Houston is not. Because I've spent some time in Dallas, and the craft beer scene there is nowhere near as interesting as the Houston scene is. If you include the whole Metroplex for Dallas, and then you include Houston and all of its suburbs, you know, north and south and, and west, I mean, there's great things happening in Katy, there's great things happening in Pearland, even Galveston has got, mm-hmm. you know, some really quality Three beers, yeah, coming out coming out of there. So it's a very exciting place to be for craft beer, and I've been to some of these other cities that, that make these lists, and, you know, they're, they're fine, but uh, I think Houston has every 
every bit as much going on that's interesting and unusual, and that's usually what makes the list. It's either quantity of, of breweries from places, or it's something kind of unusual or different. Well, I think part of it, too, though, is, is I think maybe that we don't get that because um, Houston's so big. Right, like you can try to explain to people from other cities how big Houston <laughs> is. There was a, uh, it might have been a, um, it might have been a, uh, one of those uh, funny articles out. Uh, might have been an Onion article or something like that, claiming that Houston is actually an hour away from Houston. From Houston, yes, that's right. right. Yep. Well, you know how you, I think you said this on last week's show, or maybe it was when you and I were on with Chris Hart about uh, when you're driving from Houston to California, that you know when you. When you get halfway, you're in El Paso. Right. And Houston's kind of like that, too. You can get in the car and drive, and an hour later, you're still in Houston. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, and that's not even so, because of traffic so what slowdown. Down, what so ends up, what ends up happening is because you also then pass that city limit, you also then have the suburbs. You have Humble. You have Woodlands. You have mm-hmm. – um, um, you have the uh, the Tomballs and places like that, and uh, down south, Paraland, those places. I don't think some of those places get counted as Houston. I think you may be right. And I think that maybe we don't get the numbers because of that, but well, it's all around us. Sugarland, all these areas around Well, it's there. the fourth largest metropolitan like area The only place the you can't States. find beer is if you go I-10 east a little bit. Like, yeah. every other direction, there's well, beer Katie, everywhere. Well, Katie's got, you know... Oh, but it's it's east. east, right. Hey, yeah. Sorry, I, no, I was uh, thinking west, yep. <laughs> No, you're right. Channelview doesn't you're have right. their own. Brewery, you're right. I don't once, think. <laughs> once you pass uh, once you pass the St. Arnold Brewery, yeah, there's not much going. Make in that sure direction. you got a cooler because yeah. because uh, yeah, yeah. you're going to need. Uh, it might take you a little while to uh, stop and and. Uh, well, uh, speaking of those lists, by the way, here's the here's one I have for you today: ten cities for every whiskey lover to add to their bucket list. I thought you'd be interested in this. Nice. Yeah. So I'm in uh, on that. All right. So we'll talk about that on today's show. We'll talk about uh, one of the most interesting and unusual collaborations in the cigar world. Drew Estates is collaborating with Eminem to make a cigar. Of course they are. Of course they are. <laughs> Did I mention, by the way, yeah. when I went to IPCPR, yeah. the Drew Estate booth. You said it was massive. It, not only does it take up so much real estate in there, but it was just a disco party the entire time. Like The it. music was blaring. They had all kinds of stuff going. It was literally just a party. Dancing girls? I don't know if they got anything done. Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> they, they, all their reps probably had to stay up like all night to write the orders because they were right. busy with the dancing girls during the uh, during the daytime. Well, uh, I d- neglected to mention, and it's an important thing to mention, that we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, uh, BB Italia on Memorial in Houston and BB Lemon on Washington Ave. Now, we've talked a lot about Houston. Obviously, the show is heard like all over the place. Mm-hmm. We have listeners and friends uh, all over the country, and we have... Uh, people who even occasionally send us beer to try, which, by the way, we will reciprocate. We'll send you some Ingenious or some St. Arnold or something that you might not be able to get where you are mm-hmm. if you uh, want to send us some beers from your area. So I think I think we should just arrange a big beer swap. That would be like, pretty awesome. Like a, a website that's just like. beer swap. I'll, I'll trade you a six of this. For, I'll trade you a, gro- a growler of this. Yeah, for that, and, 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 and those exist. And we're oh, not I'm talking sure about does, yeah. we're not talking about like. Hard to find beers. We're just talking about beers from your area that we can't get. Right, right. You because, know. you know, some places, we're pretty good at getting beers from Michigan and, and a few other states. But, man, some states, it's it's tougher to get. So. I appreciate, it does make vacation I appreciate getting some of those Golden Chalice beers, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the you know, this is so hard to find. we got to try it. That's nice to have. But I just don't have patience to hunt that yeah, stuff yeah. down. Well, Same thing with whiskey. I'm, I'm kind of like, I would rather drink something that I know that I can get mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um, and get it easily that's just as good as something that's really rare and well, way more expensive. That said, I still want to taste a 
Pliny the Elder that's not past its expiration. That date. would be nice. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> that would be good. That because be the one nice. we tasted that was a little past was still pretty darn yeah, good. True. Yeah, true. Well, uh, it is so great to be on the show today, and it's great to have Justin on. I'm really excited about Ingenious because I think you guys were one of the uh, breweries in our area here that was maybe first to do some really unusual and 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 different kind of uh, kind of beers and i think i think that's a uh, you know these days especially in the craft beer scene that's almost a, the hallmark it's like what do you do it's great everybody needs a good ipa everybody needs right. a good stout you have to have your everybody core. Need, right but but then what do you do that's a little different that everybody else isn't doing or that maybe you did before everybody else was doing it. And so uh, I think you guys fill the bill rather nicely, at least based on what I've seen. I don't know what you brought for us today, but I'm looking forward to finding out. So, um, Ian, it's been a, a whirlwind, crazy week for me. I did have time to smoke a cigar or two, uh, but I'm curious about uh, about your week. Did you smoke anything interesting? I did. I went by the Casa de Monte Cristo this morning and had my cigar that I usually... Is there buddy Ken there? Ken was not there, no, but okay. the rest of the guys are always so nice, too. So uh, Ken's day off is the day that I go in there and oh, smoke, okay. unfortunately. So he so has no idea every- that you're a regular. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Every once in a while I go in there and, and he happens to be swinging through or something, I see him. But, yeah, he, he absolutely has no idea that I'm a regular. So uh, I went, you know, they have this, like, right when you walk in the door, they have it set up pretty ingenious. You walk right in, in the humidor, they have that rack right there in front of you that's, this is the newest thing to come out. So I always hit that rack first. Sometimes I've tried it. Um, uh, they had the Trinidad up there that we tried uh, oh, last that week. That cigar, man. That was, yeah, that was great. Um, and they had a few others up there. But uh, I, I picked out the uh, Roma Craft uh, Intemperance Whiskey Rebellion Cigar. I'm sorry, say that again. Roma Craft Intemperance, which they've been making for a while. But mm-hmm. this is the Whiskey Rebellion Cigar. So this... Uh, I didn't know there was a Whiskey it's Rebellion. It's the Whiskey Nobody Rebellion. Nobody called and told me it was happening. 1794. Oh, that's why. Um, it's, uh, let's see here. I'm reading, this is off of one of the websites and I can't remember which one, so I'll have to, uh, maybe credit this later, but, uh, uh, full body beast made by the notorious Skip Martin of Aroma Craft Tobacco. Uh, the story, uh, pays homage to the protest against the tax placed on spirits imposed by Alexander uh-huh. Hamilton in order to pay back the revolutionary war debt. So, Damn you, Paul Giamatti. This, <laughs> this is a piece of history here. The one that I had, I, so I, they had they had a full line of them there. Uh, they had five, I think five sizes off the top of my head. Uh, I picked the uh, uh, McFarlane Perfecto. It's a 5x50 Perfecto. Beautiful cigar. Uh, medium brown, oily uh, wrapper, semi-smooth. Uh, really just nice, solid construction. Pretty wrapper on it, too. Um so uh, the pre-light sniff on this was was all earth, barnyard kind of hay uh, flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, smelled pretty good, actually. I had that nice, real earthy smell. Uh, the pre-light draw on it, I cut it because obviously it's perfecto. That's a little hard to punch, um, which is what I usually do. Uh, I cut it. It had a medium draw to it, a little bit tight, but not too bad. Uh, very earth, a little bit of pepper and fermented hay kind of flavors coming through on that. Um, the initial light was uh, very smooth, oddly enough. Like, usually the initial light, you know, you tend to get more of the harsh A little layers. harshness, yeah, from the flame. This was very smooth with uh, light pepper and hay. Mm. And then it actually built up a little bit from there into the first third, whereas start uh, started to get uh, some toast, some hay, uh, more of that barnyard kind of uh, flavors, earth. Very full strength, like right off the really? bat. This is a this is a powerhouse. This is not Fisher Price, my first cigar. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I barely ever smoke know. cigars here. Have one of these. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <Like this> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. That's uh, like someone says, "I like Miller Lite." Well, here's a bourbon barrel stout. Yeah. You know? right, <laughs> like, yeah that's right. probably not yeah. what you want to do. You may need to take a few steps. Before right. You get right. There. So this was this was a very strong cigar. The second third of this, uh, big earth and toast flavors were coming through. Toast is something I generally. Uh, expect in a lighter cigar, but this had just like huge mm-hmm. toasty flavors to it. A lot of earth, a lot of hay. Leather started uh, popping up there. A little light uh, flavor of white pepper in the back of the palate that was really nice, uh, and never never overbearing. Actually, just kind of light and and subtle. Which um, is interesting for a cigar that for powerful. For a cigar that powerful, You're kind of yeah. expecting the pepper to really right. Come no, no, on, this right? had this had all those flavors just going on. The solid ash and perfect burn on this, like you'll see that in the pictures, man. It just burned. Oh absolutely. wow, I'm looking at that now. Wow, yeah, that's it burned beautiful. absolutely wonderful. Um, the last third of this cigar, it it kind of ramped up a little bit, so the toast flavors kind of went into slightly burnt toast, but kind of in a good way, you know, when your toast is just on the just area. Slight, yeah, you've yeah. got that tiny, yeah. <laughs> tiny bit of carbon. Yeah. Uh, so it still had the barnyard. It had more leather, uh, and the strength ramped up a little bit. Solid ash, perfect burn. I smoked it down uh, until it was just about at my fingers. Um, so this cigar cost me, um, after all that, this cigar cost me $7.40, I believe. Wow, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah. Uh, it gets a solid five on my price versus quality. Now, um, uh, Justin, our price versus quality works this way. You got a scale of one to ten, uh, and, and if you make a five, you get exactly what you pay for. Okay, and so that's a great score on there. If mm-hmm. you get lower, you're, you're, you feel you're like wishing, maybe you overpaid a little bit, right? Or, yeah. If you get higher, it's you know, it's a value. It's yeah, and it's I will tell value. you, it uh, the seven uh, the what I would say the six to nine dollar cigar area is where the toughest competition is. Right. Because you can smoke a cigar that's really good. You might say, well, that, you know, that was worth seven or eight bucks. Yeah. But then you think about the other cigars that you've had at that price point, and how does it, com- how does it compare to right. those right. from uh, from the, just the standpoint of how much you enjoyed it. And so that's, that's, a, that's a tough place to yeah. uh, the $20 to bottle of wine. Yeah, huh? right. Yeah. We've, had, we've had plenty of three exactly. and... Three and four dollar cigars that have scored really high on the because you're like, wow, I would have been fine paying five or six for this, right? And, and right. Been, you know, you, so it's easier maybe for the cheaper cigars to get a higher score. Yeah, and um, when you get unless those, of course they have notes when you get those paper David offs case. that cost twenty and you know right. thirty dollars. It's stick, like they're good. It's a little cigars. hard to get above five on that. Yeah, exactly. But it's, they're. They're yeah. probably at five. Yeah. You know? Well, it, so it, how it about depends. yourself? Did you smoke anything awesome I, this week? I did. In fact, you. Uh, <clears throat> I smoked something really unusual uh, for me. Um, but you were actually there when I uh, purchased this. This is. Um, I smoked a Phantom cigar this week. A Phantom. Yes, a Phantom brand uh, called that by some cigar retailers because this brand is and isn't available to buy. Oh, uh, I'll explain. Well, that's not confusing. Yeah, I'll explain. <laughs> uh, it was released along with hundreds of other brands and lines just in advance of the cigar industry mm-hmm. legislation. Uh, after the legislation took effect, and if it stands, new cigar brands are going to require FDA approval before they can go on the market. Prior to this legislation, right. you didn't need FDA approval to launch a new cigar. Right. So um, the the cigar makers have no idea what the approval process is going to be like, or you know, and cigar making is 
as much art as it is science, yeah. so it's hard to replicate exactly the same things. If you get you know approval in this place, it's not it's not quite like a recipe because of the way the the blending works. So um, so many cigar makers, including La Paulina, uh, released a whole bunch of very limited cigars under like a new line. And uh, that way, this is on the market, and they can go back and make whatever so it's changes. Grandfathered so it's grandfathered in. It's grandfathered in. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, so basically, yep. so across, and I'm assuming across the industry, they did this. Yes. Where they uh, just created brands, put out a cigar with it as a temporary solution, so that they have future room to create those actual brands. That's as right. A standard fact, part of their line later. In fact, and I bought this cigar at Stogies. Mm-hmm. Jorge at Stogie's was the one telling us about this. Right. And he said that Rocky Patel released hundreds. Wow. Just before the deadline. Hundreds of new and different cigars that maybe only went out a few boxes each uh, because they're basically, you know, right. place markers. And you so know? if you get a cigar under that name now, yeah, uh, that happens to be a phantom brand, it may, may not. Be even remotely close to what that right. brand actually becomes right. when they release that brand. Which is, which is part of what I'll get to in this cigar. Uh, only a very small number of boxes of this were ever shipped to retail. Stogie's in mm-hmm. Houston, where uh, Jorge was telling, about, uh, telling us about this, had one of these, and it is the La Palina Fat Cat Corona Especial. Great name. Now, it is a great name. However, it's a Corona. So... With the name Fat Cat, I'm expecting like a 60 ring gauge, like something big and and beefy, you know. And this is not that at all. Oh, so my name my name went immediately to like that. That would probably refer to the flavor of the cigar, not necessarily well, the maybe so. Uh, and in that case, they might although be a, Asylum has their lunatic, which right. is you know yeah. enormous. But th- but they may be a little off if it's about flavor because this wasn't a full bodied cigar. Huh. But let me tell you what it was. Uh, it was a Havana wrapper, Ecuadorian binder and fillers. A really nice looking cigar, although I do wonder. You can see the the band. I do wonder if they'll change the band if they if they keep this one on the market because it kind of looks like something I might have created on my phone with an app. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just not it's not the most you know uh, high end looking band. But um, uh, band aside, the cigar was really nicely constructed. Had a pigtail cap, so I snipped it with scissors. Cigar scissors, not regular scissors. I'm so jealous on those. I, and, uh, I know. Uh, maybe we could work out a, like, one week I loan you the scissors, you loan me the wireless mic. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, a pre-light was woody and nutty. I did snip the cap off it and lit it. The wood and the nuttiness were evident almost immediately when I started smoking it. And the cigar had this really pleasant sweetness to it. Not sweet in a... A sort of a sugary way, just sweet in a very sort of creamy mm-hmm. kind of way, and uh, I I think notes of I'm going to call them hazelnuts. Uh-huh. I'm not I'm not that great at distinguishing which nuts they are, but uh, anyway, there was uh, there was a really great nuttiness to it, and a very distinct but pleasing woodiness along with a little bit of that toast that you were talking about in your cigar. But this was mild to medium body, closer to medium, very nice complexity. It was a very pleasant smoke and guess what? $7 cigar. Nice. So, I really hope they release this more widely. I really enjoyed it. In fact, I will be going back to Stogies to buy a few more from the one box that they have. Right, right. So, uh so if you're interested in one of these and you're in the Houston area, go to Stogie's, but don't go until tomorrow because I need to go today. <laughs> <'Cause you're going laughs> and, and I want to make sure there's a, there's a couple of uh, You know, uh, I, just, I just want to give a shout out to Stogie's. Price, price to quality 6, by the way. 
Awesome. Uh, shout out to Stogie's, man. What a great shop that oh, is. It really Jorge is. over there is absolutely yeah, fantastic. What a gentleman. And everybody that works there is very knowledgeable. And one of the things I really appreciate about and a lot of shops do this, but <clears throat> they do it in a really good way at Stogie's, um, is they will have recommendations like favorites from all the members of the staff. Right. But what they do that's really good is the little card that has favorites has the person's picture. Mm-hmm. So if you don't remember the name, but they've helped you before. But <laughs> right. It, it kind of helps you connect that, and I think it's uh, I think it's really good. So anyway, so love the cigar, and I will be smoking more. Even though it's a little more mellow than what I usually go for, it was a wonderful uh, change. And up. scored and, a six on price first quad. That's I, pretty nice. I really hope that they that they stay with it. I really do. So okay, uh, let's take a quick break. Let's come back because I want to try some ingenious beers, Getting and I'm very over. excited about this. Plus, I don't think we mentioned this, but we'll be tasting the Wild Turkey Forgiven. Is this a new? Wild this turkey? is a. This was a limited release. That's a limited, been, I'll, okay. t- I'll tell you all about it when, when right. we start. Uh, when we start all drinking right. upon it. Looking forward to that. We'll get to that. And uh, a retailer survey has revealed the top selling cigars in the U.S. So we'll go over that uh, and see what you think of that. Not necessarily the best, but the no, ones but that the are top the top right, sellers. Right. So it's kind of it'd be kind of what's, interesting. What's actually at. going out yeah, the door? What's actually going out the door? And San Antonio, Texas has planned. There's a brewery there that has planned. What I think may be the coolest beer event ever, and you may want to like yeah, take note because you you may want to try to do this at Ingenious. I think it is a wonderful idea. So we'll tell you all about that, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have more uh, more fun and excitement. It's uh, smoking and toasting, and we will be right back. <laughs> he loves to tell people. Sometimes. The first thing that the guest doesn't speak at all. Like we don't. <laughs> I got, I got, got three good. little words in there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, glassware. How do we? How do we work that? Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. Show number one hundred and forty-seven. Uh, we are uh, proudly brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, BB Italia on Memorial in Houston, and BB Lemon on Washington Ave, plus a brand new uh, BB creation uh, coming soon uh, to the greater Houston area. Uh, I will tell you that one of the great things, I haven't talked about this, but uh, if you go to B and B and you ordered the wedge salad, like because I, I, I know it's I know there's nothing healthy about the wedge salad. I get it, but I but I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Right? The wedge itself is actually just a, a it's dressing just ice- delivery right, system, right? Right, exactly. And and the lettuce is iceberg lettuce, which I've been told has zero nutritional value. Right. It's kind of like you're, it's just there for the crunch. But what I want to point out is that at B and B. You know, you know how most places, if you go uh, and and order the wedge salad, they'll put the little crunchy bacon or bacon bits on it. Uh-huh. Well, at B and B, they put the big thick chunks of bacon. That's the same bacon that's in the bacon appetizer. Oh my gosh! The wedge salad is heaven. Justin, have you ever it's been there? I have. It's one of my favorites. It's, it's bacon awesome. is so good, it's so awesome. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they are a sponsor, and thank you to uh, to B and B. Our guest this week is uh, Justin. All right, help me with it one more time. Jerfy like Murphy. Jerfy. Jerfy. Well, uh, what nationality? You just, you just got to ignore the, the second two letters. Yes, that's right. <laughs> what uh, what uh, what nationality is the name? Hungarian. Hungarian, okay. All right, now it makes sense. Now it it clicks into place in my mind uh, the the sort of way that you should say it. Until the <laughs> third segment. 
Jerfy. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> of course. In which case, uh, what's the ABV on this? By the end, by the end of the show, I'll just be saying Justin's our guest. That's that's, that's it. Uh, but Justin, you are uh, one of the owners. It's you and your brother, right? Uh, own? No, me and a good friend. You and a good friend. Okay. Right. So so tell me how Ingenious Brewing uh, came to be. So so I'm, I'm actually a physician by day. Um, I'm a urologist. I practice in the Houston area, and I'm from Houston. So even though the Hungarian name might fool you, I'm from the Clear Lake area initially. Okay. And uh, so I did my postgraduate training, so training after I finished medical school at, in Pennsylvania at Penn State University. Mm-hmm. And when you when you're a resident surgeon you don't have time for any hobby. So anything that I had as a hobby, that got all thrown out the window because you just don't got time for it. Right. So, so what I did have time is at You're the end of- You're putting in those like 14-hour uh, shifts uh, and stuff. Uh, We're technically only allowed to work 80, so I guess the I answer mean, is 80, I've but we never scrubs. worked less yeah, than 80. Right, exactly. It was always way exactly. more. Yeah. <laughs> so we would, uh, you know, Friday at the end of the shift, you don't got time to go play softball. You barely have time to just swing down to the local- you know, watering hole and get a beer and mm-hmm. then go home and, and, and just and just sleep for as many hours as you can get. So my, all the hobbies I had kind of went out the window. And one thing I was noticing when I was up there is, hey, the beer scene is very different in Pennsylvania. Now, it this certainly is, is. Yes, I've is, lived in Pennsylvania. This is 2009. This is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the time, there was only a handful of Texas, or of Houston brewers. Um, I, I would but up yes, there you got five, six. You, know, you got Yangling, of course, which is the oldest, oldest craft right, beer, right. and you got breweries like Victory and some of the uh, other ones that are so good. Yeah. So, I think the big difference at the time up there was you can't, you couldn't go to, to the gas station and get a six pack. You couldn't go to the grocery store and get a oh, six I pack. Oh, I remember this. Yes. So you had to go to a case store and get twenty four beers of the same thing, which promotes responsible drinking. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I. I in, in because of that philosophy, well, the answer to that was, well, we'll have a bunch of little breweries that have a bunch of different beers that are constantly changing. So instead of going to the gas station, you go to the local brewery that's on the corner, and right. there'd be there'd be five or six breweries for every little town, mm-hmm. which is very different than in Houston at the yes. time. You know, four million people and five breweries, and and I, you got a convenience in, store on every corner. Yeah. I, correct. I lived in Hershey, Pennsylvania, had fourteen thousand people and five breweries. So that's mm-hmm. you know that's a big difference. So um, to compete with each other, it was all always what's fresh and rotating and constantly changing and i absolutely loved that vibe as i was drinking beer that was made that week it was a whole different story than i was in houston sitting around drinking a Shinerbach that was you know three months old well and and at that time at least and even fast forwarding a few years ahead of that the houston breweries even the ones that were making some really great beer weren't known for what's new this week you right know what correct I mean? it would be it would be several months or even you know a quarter would come around and you'd get something special or something new or something different it's seasonal yeah they used to in in houston and some places probably still have this you go to a bar and they'd price beer by is it is it local or is it export and like right. newcastle would be a premium beer you right, know, oh, right yeah newcastle i'm gonna pay a dollar extra for that <laughs> yeah, right. and and now it's like oh it's local no that's two dollars more than anything else we have yeah. uh, so i love the ones where they say shiner is an import uh, yeah that used to be an old trick <laughs> yes yeah. yes but uh, so it was a different scene. I really liked it. 
And uh, in that process of trying these different breweries out, this is again 2009. I met this uh, guy who who he worked out at the same gym as I did. He worked at the same hospital I did. And he was I was a training physician. He was a, a operating room nurse, and uh, and he also was in the local beer scene in the sense of he'd go to the same type places. And so I, I see this guy everywhere. So. Uh, after like the tenth time, I'm like, hey man, we're we're destined to be friends because I can't get away from him. like everywhere I go, <laughs> you're there. And uh, so we st- we started hanging out, and um, eventually he's like, you know, I homebrew. I I have ten beers in my basement uh, that I've made, and you know, I'm just one guy. I can't drink it all. So you know, if you want to come over, bring some friends, we'll check it out. So I brought some of the other residents to his place one day, and his beers were better than any of the local bars that we're having. Okay, so nice. yeah, let me just point out that that's unusual. Correct. Usually when your friend says, hey, I homebrewed, do you want to come over and try beers? You're thinking, how good a friend is he really? Because these beers are probably not going to be that great. I don't you know? know. My friends brew pretty well. Well, yeah, you, you've got some <laughs> friends that, that may know what they're doing. Because but of, I've been uh, through that before yeah, with yeah. someone who's like, yeah, homebrewed, just try it. Oh, You're like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is quite an experiment. <laughs> yeah. This is an keep, experience. Keep it up. But yes. this guy was was rocking it. But Exactly. And, and so it became... Anytime I had friends come visit me um, up in Pennsylvania, his house became one of the stops you have to do. You got to go to Hershey Park. You got to go to, right. uh, you know, the Chocolate Factory, and you got to mm-hmm. go to Mike's Basement. It's just that's where <laughs> that's where the good beer was. I love it. So uh, you know, I was there for five years. Over the years, um, we started this idea. Like you know, this is nothing like this in Houston. There's nothing like this. Like constantly changing small batch stuff. Like we need to bring that model. To, to Texas, and at the time, it was the laws prohibited anything that would be um, financially uh, possible because you couldn't sell beer to go, you couldn't sell beer on premise, mm-hmm. you had to sell anything you brewed had to be sold to a distributor, which then sold right. to a, a mm-hmm. retailer, mm-hmm. and so you got three hands in the pot. There's there's no way to change no that often way in that to change that often have label approval. It's impossible. But but there was already at that time rummagings and, and whispers of things are going to change and and that did happen and uh, i think it was 2012 is when the thing mm-hmm. was going through and, and i don't know if really, it passed until 14 really uh, that that whole process continued just i mean another major milestone just happened yeah. oh correct yeah. correct which which helped full production breweries that is true mm-hmm. um so so at this time we were like if if this law passes if if they're going to allow a brew pub license to actually sell beer package to go uh, they're going to allow us to sell beer on premise uh, and do self-distribution, which is all those three things we were allowed once that law passed. Then this model is can work. Uh, can work. Yeah. And as soon as that passed, we we go okay, we're go, let's go. And so Mike, he sold his house, he moved down to Houston, um, he started the project that that became Ingenious Brewing. I I finished a few months later my program. I got a job as a as a local urologist, and and we just let's go full bang let's let's get this up and running now we were pretty optimistic and the government has a way of slowing you down hold on here's uh here's some hurdles here's some hurdles there was more hurdles than we anticipated in in every every step of the way but um but but essentially that's the story of ingenious that's how it came to be and uh, and what was the first thing you guys brewed as ingenious brewing the very first beer we brewed as ingenious brewing was um Make Russia great again. It's an imperial stout. <laughs> that's starting at the. Uh, I'm not at saying starting at the bottom, but that's starting at the big end. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, uh, we generally start a, a lighter on the show and go heavier, so I would assume you may have something along those lines. But the first one we're tasting is what? 
Uh, so this beer is a part of the can series that we just released yesterday. Um, and this beer is called I'm on a Float. It's a New England style session IPA, double dry hopped with citra, lemon drop, and cascade hops. Comes in at 5%, but it has the look and hops of a more full bodied, more alcohol oh beer. Oh, my. Um, but with lower sessionable alcohol. So, so it does have the, the, the bigger pool. mouth feel. So, yeah, to this it as doesn't well. feel like juicy. a 5% at all. I, mean, I love the. It doesn't look like one either, correct? Because you're when you whenever you see this kind of you know haziness and juiciness, you're generally thinking, you know, this is this is one of those bigger New England IPAs mm-hmm. or even even a milkshake. Uh, it's it, but wow, that's amazing that that's five percent and it's delicious. I love the can on this. It actually has the guy in the float. This I'll be doing this in two weeks. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Yes. Very Texas centric. Yes, I'll hold that up one more time. The guy sitting in the uh, inner tube float. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually I like that uh, you have the headrest on this inner tube float because if you go uh, uh, out to New Braunfels and you rent one of their inner tubes, you don't get the headrest on it, and then your neck gets tired because you're sitting in this inner tube all day. It's like imagine sitting in a bean bag for hours. It's kind of mm-hmm. like that. Um, but so if you go up and you spend just a little bit of money at Academy, our local sports store, I mean, they're like, what are they, like 10 bucks for one of those inner tubes with mm-hmm. the headrest? Makes mm-hmm. all the difference. Yes. And it has a little uh, beverage holder in it. Well, that's important so, as And well. that's nice because you can only bring cans out there, too. But this this makes me happy. I'm going to have to I, swing by and pick up some for my trip. I'm very interested. There's, on the finish, there's this very, very wonderful uh, but interesting uh, bitterness that I'm not used to in uh, a beer that's you know a, a more sessionable type of beer. Usually they're the ones that finish with that sort of clean, almost you know pilsner like sort of uh, uh, finish. So we wanted. I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually an excellent point. So this beer, as you'll see, is a session IPA that's double dry hopped. So mm-hmm. this is a double dry hopped session IPA. If you were drinking a five percent beer with less aggressive hops, that would simply be a pale ale. So we want right. to distinguish that this isn't a pale ale. This isn't right. a 5% the pale ale. Yes. There's as much hops in this as we would put in a 8.2% double IPA, uh, but just lower the alcohol. So you're going to get that alpha acid bite that's coming from – so when you think of hops traditionally, and you guys are probably all know this, you put them in early in the process, you're going to extract a lot more of the bitterness. So West mm-hmm. Coast IPA, the hops mm-hmm. are all added pre, you know, earlier, earlier in the process. And in – New England style stuff. The hops are added late in the end. You don't get as much bitterness. You get more aroma and more juiciness. Aroma. Yep, yep. But but you will get if you're putting as much hops as as we typically put in our double dry hop beers. You're going to get some of alpha acid mm-hmm. leachance exactly. And it depends on how long you keep it on, the beer on those hops. So to get a double dry hopped beer, you have to add a lot of hops, and you're going to get a little bit of that that. Um, alpha acid bitterness it's a mild astringency mm-hmm. if you will mm-hmm. that this beer came out yesterday that will fade over a week or two okay and and it'll just be a little bit more mellow a little bit more juicy but it's important to to differentiate this from a pale ale and some people love that some people want that want that, that little that, bit of correct, bite. that little bit of tingling on the it's, on the mouth. Well, like you said make sure you know the, you're drinking an ipa correct the, the, the other interesting thing on the aftertaste like first of all i i haven't actually chimed in on this beer yet um it's very grapefruit right up front. Mm-hmm. Um, the middle of the palate has a great mouthfeel to it. On the um, on the aftertaste, you get that astringency, that little bit of astringency and that bitter. And then there's a little hint of like maltiness that just flows right through it. It's very interesting how that works because I don't know that that's very unusual on a 
on a very big hopped IPA, double yeah. hopped IPA. Double hopped IPA. Um, question, obviously the hops are not where the alcohol comes from. Correct. But when you when it's just so interesting to have something that's so cram full of this much hop. Like how do you get a lower alcohol beer uh, when when there's this much going on? I guess is a good way to to kind of put it in layman's terms. So the the alcohol comes from the grain which turns into sugar when you boil it. Mm-hmm. So yeast turns the sugar to alcohol and carbon dioxide. That's the process. So the 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 trick is not cramming how many hops in it it's how do you get a body that's similar to a full eight percent beer and a five percent beer because the body comes from the interaction between the yeast and the sugar and you have to have a lot of grain and various components of grain in order to get a good full-bodied beer so typically if you drink a session ipa or a pale ale or a light you know, a lager or something like that, it's not going to have the full body because mm-hmm. there's not as much grain to give it. Which is um, why, like, if you are drinking, like, a Michelob Ultra or a Coors Light, for example, it's why those beers are are, are so light in body as mm-hmm. well because those are very low-calorie, uh, low ABV beers. So, uh, so so the trick is how, how can you – what can you do to the grain bill in order to – get a reasonable body that's going to fit well with all the hops because you just take miller light and throw uh 10 pounds per hop per barrel it's going to just be a total mess you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to taste anything right. other than, than pure bitterness so you have to have a balancing body and so that was the the goal with this project was we want a beer that we can drink by the pool by the caseload and not be completely inebriated and lose all function so we have to how do we get and achieve a similar taste to what we do in an 8.2% with similar hops, similar hop profile, aromas, juiciness, and not have that much alcohol. So that was kind of the product here. This seems to be the summer that brewers are really trying to perfect that process of getting a lower ABV Mm -hmm. beer to not feel like a light beer. When well, sessionable and, and lighter beers in general, I think, are coming into their own and still having a lot of flavor yeah. to I them. mean, it is summertime, so mm-hmm. it makes sense. People are you know, looking for that by-the-pool beer, like you said. But uh, but it also makes sense because there's so, um, there's so much great beer out there, and yet, you know, it, if I used to have, you know, three, four beers when I was going out drinking, and I was drinking lighter beer, and now my tastes have gone towards better beers i'm consuming way more calories mm-hmm. way more alcohol so to be able to enjoy the same kind of flavor is uh is is really a really a plus and this is allowing me to not feel so bad about you know having a few beers <laughs> you know? that's exactly uh, right. it, it, it makes some sense because when it's hot and you're at the pool you might drink more than a couple of beers that's right oh, yeah uh so where are we going to oh i can already see the color of this uh of this next beer and it has me it, uh, that is the color of grapefruit right there so this is the color of actually watermelons. What it gives. Watermelon. I was going to say, yeah. yeah if yeah. you take a look at that, and I know I'm not the. Uh, oh, okay. So it's really good, but that is that is definitely a sort of a watermelon. Paler. Uh huh. Than it initially looked. I like this idea. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you had six beers that came out yesterday. So we released six cans yesterday. So um, wow. from not familiar with Ingenious, again we. As you heard in the story, we we wanted to be constantly changing small batch brewery. So we're constantly brewing and we're constantly releasing beers. So we might have we might have over the course of a week six seven beers come out every single week. 
Now, once a month, we'll get together and push those all into a can and have six, seven, eight cans come out the same day so, once a month. So when you say beers come out, you're talking about things that might be available on tap. Correct. So we have 24 room, right? beers on tap in our tap room. And if you come once a week, there's going to be six, seven, eight different ones. Now, but you're also canning this in-house and selling it. Once a month, we'll do a can release of six to eight beers. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Now, this is, uh, this is something that I find really interesting because from a marketing standpoint, and I realize you're you're doing this on purpose. This is, this is what you want Ingenious to be. But from a marketing standpoint, how do you concentrate on six new beers being out there in cans at one time in terms of, of grabbing people's attention? Or is it not a thing? Uh, no, it, that's one of the most challenging aspects of, of what we do. And it's the reason why no one else does this model. I mean, there's only there's only one other brewery in Houston that's even somewhat similar, and that's B-52. It does great similar type type ideas but it's not it's not cost effective to do what we do it's not doesn't make any logical sense uh, I, 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 there will be no budweiser knocking on my door going hey we love your ideas here we want to buy you because it makes zero financial sense to do what we do but it, what it is is exciting well and i was going to say it makes the i'll just use the term beer nerds because we'll include ourselves in that it makes people like us like you even more mm -hmm. because you're going against that sort of normal grain and because there's so much great stuff to try well so uh, there's a funny thing in the in the beer industry for mass beer drinkers is they always pick one flavor and drink it over and over and over and over and over again you're talking about well, the people that drink like the yeah, macro i'm beers. talking about yeah. the macro brews like they just this is my beer this is all i drink i just buy it by the case i drink it all day long but in in the um in the craft brew or in independent brewery uh uh, people that appreciate the independent breweries, like they want to try different things. Like I'm that way. And I think it's awesome that I can go into a brewery and try different things every time. Like that to me is exciting. That's yes. very exciting. And that makes me want to go there again. And then you're doing this once a month. I could go by there. I mean, you're a little bit of a ways away from me where I live, but I mean, I could go there once a month easily and have Way different stuff every single time. You go once a month, there might not be a single beer that was there. That's prior. awesome. It and is see, awesome. I think a lot of people think the opposite of that. They think, oh, well, I want that same thing that I had last time. But, you know, I, I'm always about trying the well, new thing. You know? Okay. I agree with you except for one thing. I've just tried the Smarty Pink Tropics. That's the name of this Correct. one. Correct. Uh, so it's a tart Berliner, uh, Berliner Weiss with pink guava, passion fruit, strawberries, and watermelon. It's 6.5. I want to be able to buy this from now until Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I do. This is this is a fantastic bit. Like this, this just is totally fun. this just totally socked me right in the palate in the most wonderful way. But this is how, definitely a party on the palate. How long will I even be able to buy this? This beer went on sale yesterday. This will be sold out by the weekend. Oh man. But but, That's the but crazy fear part. not. But fear not because we always have uh, almost always have three smarty Beers, Smarties are Berliner, fruited, heavily fru fruited mm -hmm. Berliner vice beer. We always have about three on tap, which are available in Crowlers. So every time you come, you're going to be able to get something similar something to this, but similar different fruit. But different. Yeah, different okay. fruit. I got so you. I got when you. you call it Smarty, are you referring to the little candies? So when this beer doesn't <laughs> have any what fruit. It reminds you of, didn't it? When this beer does not have any fruit, uh, so the base Smarty, which we release uh, fairly often as well. Um, in fact, I think it's on tap right now at our at our brewery. You can just get you can taste what this tastes like without any fruit. Um, it has a tartness 
just a mild sweetness that is very reminiscent to me of the candy Smarties. So it play it was a good play with Ingenious, nice. our logo, Smart, mm-hmm. you know, brand. Right, right. So, totally makes sense. So yeah. we released. That's what we called it. Uh, there's no, no no Smarties were harmed in the production of this <laughs> beer. There. <laughs> One more question about doing these and changing them so often and quickly. You've got to have a new can design. I mean, this is a great yeah, who can does the design. It's a wonderful illustration, but you got to have yes. six new ones a yes. month. Again, Doesn't that get like no crazy? Sense. Yes, that's what my no, no sense here. Uh, <laughs> very not smarty. Um, <laughs> up till just a couple months ago, I was actually doing almost all the can uh, designs myself in between surgeries and running the brewery and doing all those other things. You should so, get a hobby. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so I continued my not having a hobby from after residency. Um, but but recently we've uh, teamed up with a, a great artist uh, who has a whole line of, of beer-centric art called Hop Killers. He has an Instagram and Facebook and all those things. And he's been doing uh, labels for us for That's the last great. couple months. And I've it's taken a big load off my plate, and he's done killer work. So They're awesome. Although um, I do love the original Brain Hop. Uh, thing that you have going on in your uh, ingenious logo. That's a, that's an awesome logo. Um, uh, this might not be. You don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. But uh, are you looking to a future where you might not be spending as much time with a lab coat on, or or a different lab coat because you're uh, at the brewery? <laughs> I get that question a lot, especially at the hospital. Who are like, hey, we like your work here at the hospital. <laughs> you're not leaving us, are you? And my patients say the same thing. Like, you're not leaving, are you? Because a lot of my patients uh, end up going to the brewery and, and really enjoying it. Um, it takes it takes a lot of work and a lot of passion to become a physician, particularly a surgeon. Yeah. I I would never let that part go. Um, okay. There's nothing. This is a fun side project for for me, but it's it's truly the idea. It was never. I'm going to be there day to day. It's kind of worked into that, but it's 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 really this is a, a baby in the incubator. Uh, we have 12 employees now. We uh, it's kind of taken a life on its own that's going to be above and beyond me. And um, I, I I want to see that go its own way and still provide uh, care because that's what I was trained and that's what I'm dedicated and that's what I'm motivated to do. Um, that being said. This might allow me to not take as much call, which would be a better yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm with you. See, I'm, I hear you. I like a little bit less three in the morning calls. That'd be sweet. But. Okay. <laughs> we haven't talked too much about this beer, and, and we need to uh, take a, a break. But uh, it's wonderful. And all of the flavors that I read you, the pink guava, the passion fruit, strawberry, and watermelon, you can pull all of that out of there. And you're absolutely right about the Smarty thing, the, mm-hmm. the flavor, the taste that it leaves on your tongue. Really is the, just like the you. Sour had a hits the middle yeah. of the palate, mm-hmm. and then at the aftertaste isn't sour. It's interesting. I, how I that recommend works. this really highly for people who have tried sour beer and decided that they don't like it. This is a great one for you to try to see if maybe you are uh, missing something because it's not your typical sour at I, all. I, that is the theme of our brewery. I don't like IPAs. Try our IPA because I think mm-hmm. you might you might disagree. Mm-hmm. I don't like stouts. Try one of our stouts. I think you might disagree. Like I don't like sours. Same idea. I Love almost it. want this in a glass with a little uh, with an umbrella, umbrella on yes. it. You know? yes. like, Comes back. Saturday. We're having a tiki party. You will get that beer <laughs> with a with uh, a uh, a lay and probably an umbrella. Nice. Right. So when we come back, I want you to tell us about that. You also apparently are having 
or maybe you already had. I, I saw it on the calendar, but I didn't make note of what day. Uh, a pig roast. That's the tiki party. Oh, that's the tiki party. All right, so we'll uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. We will try some more uh, beers and uh, tell you about the coolest beer event I think I've heard of in a very long time. Uh, so we'll get to that as well. It's smoking and toasting show number one forty seven, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting, show number 147, brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Uh, shout out to uh, Jeremiah, our buddy uh, over there, who is just, he's just awesome. Uh, Ian and I got to appear with Jeremiah on Chris Hart's show uh, on Whiskey Neat. Yeah, that was, Neat, that was a lot of fun. Which was a lot of fun, although between uh, Jeremiah and Chris... I think you said about a dozen words, and I may have said even less than that. <laughs> and I'm telling you, when you can out-talk me, you're doing something. Our, our job was just to get them talking. Yes, yes. We'd go, well, what do you think of this? And boom, off they'd go. It was, <laughs> it was wonderful. A lot like the 100th episode. Yeah, uh, right. you know, It really was. But, but fun and a, a shout-out to our good friend Chris Hart. Who nobody cares about, uh, who is uh, doing a great job with Whiskey Neat. Um, so check that show out if you have not. Um, also wanted to mention, uh, I, I'm just taking a look at the at the comments on our uh, Facebook Live feed, and uh, uh, Wiki Brian uh, called BS on me, uh, and I'm not sure what that was about. Although I'm guessing it's about the home brewing. That's probably <laughs> that's probably it. So do you know is Wiki Brian a home brewer? Yes. Okay. And he's actually very good at it. It probably is. Well, yeah, I haven't. Very good at it. I, I, you know, I've not been invited to try any of Brian's home brews, so I can't speak to that. Well, in my brew club, uh, a few of our guys have been brewmeisters at uh, at uh, St. Arnold and Brash and Eureka Heights uh, was started by one of our guys in the brew club. So. I keep calling it a brew club. It's more of a drinking club with a brewing problem. I think that's. Uh, I think that's you know. probably yeah. That's probably very, <laughs> very well said. So I probably brew the least out of anybody there. I, I brew well, as long as you drink the most, and it bounces out. Yeah, yeah, I, I do the best. So here's an idea, Ian, for a future show. What if you got the guys from your club? Because you're a member of this CCSD club. Is 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 that the homebrew club that you're talking about, or do you? Yes, CCSD. Okay, so that's what the I Connoisseurs thought. Club of Smoking and Drinking. Okay, so what if you got um, the different homebrewers there, the ones you think are pretty good? What if you got them all to bring one beer to a show? Okay, you realize these guys are nuts, right? Okay, maybe more than one beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was just thinking so we got. We wouldn't got that be guy, fun to do like a blind taste we've test? Got a guy not know that, which beer we were tasting. Yeah. I th- this would be him. an absolute blast, but we've got a guy that uh, he just every time he does a porter, he'll do his chocolate porters or whatever porter he does. It's always amazing. Well, like, see, you're speaking my language, brother. Freaky good. Yeah, and we've got and and, and some of the guys kind of specialize in different things. But yeah, that would be fun. I could probably put that together. Oh. It's, it's a little like herding cats, though. Yes, I'm sure. You know. So, I'm sure. But I'm sure we could come up with something. Maybe that should be. You know, we talked about not doing something special for show 150. But maybe that should be 150. But, uh, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, though, we have our November fest coming up, um, obviously in November, because mm-hmm. everyone does October fest, so we want to be special. I love it. So, <laughs> so we do our uh, November fest, and um, and not only will my band be playing, uh, nice. hint, hint, yeah, but nice. uh, everyone will have brews ready for November fest. So maybe right before November fest is a good time to do that. Or you could just invite me to November fest. 
Well, you don't have to be invited. You just walk <laughs> up and pay 20 bucks to get all the beer I, you can drink. I, I like it. So this sounds like a great event. You guys at Ingenious have great events coming up. Your Tiki Party, which is a, a, a pig roast. You're literally doing a pig roast. Correct, yes. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hip you to an idea uh, that I saw online that I think is is maybe could could be the most amazing beer event idea I've seen. Uh, and it is a brewery in San Antonio, Texas that's doing it. The Busted Sandal Brewing Company on Oaklawn Drive in San Antonio. I love that name. Yeah, it's a great name, isn't it? They are doing... Wait for it. Oh, do you have a do you have a drum roll, Ian, with our oh, uh, super I special do. sound effects machine? They are doing the grilled cheese and craft beer extravaganza. <laughs> Does that not sound like a match made in heaven? Grilled cheese sandwiches and craft beer. That's at a at an event. It'd be the event. You'd walk up. You get a sandwich. You get a beer. Oh yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. That's wonderful. So just just wanted to throw that out. You might want to think about scheduling. That's every weekend at Ingenious. Uh, Okay, we we, we have a regular food truck, uh, Gastrocraft. They are specializing in in fancy grilled cheeses with the best cheeses. He's like, I'm already there. Yeah, okay, yeah. Old news. Well, see, but see, that's the thing about Ingenious (laughs) is because they've gone this road less traveled, if you will, as a as a brewery. They've they've tried all kinds of stuff over there. You know what I mean? They've, I mean, they release six beers a month in cans. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's amazing. We did a, uh, at CCSD one time. We did a, a craft beer and junk food tasting. I love it. That was I pairing. That was yeah, that was yeah. pretty special. Well, by the way, you mentioned you have a food truck. Why is food truck food so good? Like there, there's something they're doing in those trucks. I'm convinced that like like why aren't they doing this in every restaurant in town? They never have to publish their caloric content. Oh, that's why. <laughs> that's it. I uh, I was very fortunate one time I got invited to sit at the chef's table at NOLA uh, in um, in New Orleans, which uh-huh. is one of, uh, what's his name, the uh, uh, Emeril Lagasse's uh-huh. uh, restaurants. Uh, and at the chef's table, it really was more like a bar, and you had this window to this area. And I, I don't think it was even really the kitchen. They just had a few chefs that came out and were on display, you know, but you could watch them. <laughs> They're just doing something. And they were making, I don't know, like a, a, a pasta or something. But I, I saw the enormous slab of butter that they put into the pan, and suddenly I realized why the food was so good at Nova. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you put that much butter in just about anything, yeah. uh, it's it's going to be good. But uh, anyway, um, but uh, I, I'm glad to see you guys are already ahead of the curve. That's uh, that's absolutely perfect. Uh, speaking of ahead of the curve, I have a feeling we're going to try another ahead of the curve uh, beer here. What what is this one? So the so the six cans came out yesterday. The theme of the release was was summer drinks was about oh. this. Uh, so six different summary things. Correct. Huh? Wow. And so there was a theme amongst all these six cans, and it's all going to culminate in this event that we're having on Saturday. It's a tiki luau-type party with a pig roast, and we have a bunch of special one-off beer. In addition to the six beers and, um, that we released in cans that will be available on draft, we have uh, uh, probably ten other beers and along the Froyo series and the, mm-hmm. the Smarty series that will be available that will be themed based off this event. So 
good time to get some one-offs, things you want to mm-hmm. uh, unique flavors that are all around this same idea. So, so this is one of the ones we canned. Um, with this in mind, is this is the Mai Tai Double Froyo. So Froyo, for those who aren't familiar with us, is our milkshake style IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a double Froyo, so this is a double IPA, so 8% alcohol. Um, this particular one was adjunct with um, uh, oranges, limes, and orgot uh, for a traditional Mai Tai type taste. Um, and that's that's kind of what we're going for. Is, is we have three cocktail themed froyos that we released in the series, and this is the first of. The three. I think I'm I think I'm in love. It's very mai tai, right? Yeah, yeah. this is uh, very mai tai. It's very wonderful. It has it has the uh, the the definitely you can taste the IPA on mm-hmm. the aftertaste, the little uh, bitter snap, but it. I think it cleans up a lot of the sweet that you have going on in the front of the palate in there. It's really mm-hmm. correct. Really interesting. Correct. So mm. it, you know, it's a it's a it's a summer cocktail themed beer so it's going to have some sweetness to it because summer there's, cocktails have sweetness to it there's but. a there's a slight hint of like almost like orange sherbet mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. in the in there somewhere that and it's so kind of it's neat it's very well, cool what i love about this is that when you take that first sip the first thing you get is the nose like because it has mm-hmm. a it has a really um interesting um smell and aroma to it and then you get the first taste and then you get the middle and the finish and it's like it it sounds more complicated than it really is to drink but like you it goes through like three four different there's a lot going on uh different reveals in that whole you guys must uh, have the best flights ever we don't do flights (laughs) (laughs) oh we found something they don't do people people ask all the time why don't you flight so so we're a, a pretty uh we have a lot going on 24 you know 24 taps at least sometimes we have additional taps and it's always changing so the problem is if you did flights and we're pretty busy uh the person would be up there just just deer in headlights right. like uh i want uh, and it it slows down that, the line and then and now you have people waiting 45 minutes to get just a pint of what they want yeah. so we do free samples you know you can try a little little sample of something whatever mm-hmm. you that's want that's clever yeah. so just you know you don't have to get a, you don't have to get four ounces of it you can just try a little sip we do half pours you can get you can get 20 oh, that, half pours that makes that makes so a big difference 20 half, half pours that's a, that's your bill jones flight and yeah. then and then we do full pours. So I, I love the half pour thing, yeah. particularly when there's as many things to try as you guys have, because you know we're lucky to be trying this many things here. I wouldn't have the first idea which one to say, you know, th- that we tasted so far. Which one to say? Oh, you can leave that one out. You know what I mean? Because they're all so interesting and and different. And and again, great can art. You guys are killing it with that. That's awesome. Yeah, you guys have. Uh your can art's so different from each other, but then they all have the same look, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. a really nice balance. It, it wow. One of, so we uh, we recently hired a great guy who did our website. Uh, just just updated fresh website. It's uh, geniusbeer dot com, and one of the things he also is going to help us with is, is branding. And he's like, hey, we got to get a unified brand. Um, everything's got to be the same across the board. And, um, I haven't had the heart yet to tell him. I, I've been trying to, to, to break it to him the right way. Maybe live on the air is a way to do it. <laughs> is um, we like that approach? Like he doesn't know. Yes, he does. It, yeah, now, now he does. <laughs> is you know we everything is always changing uh, at Ingenious. Every beer is always changing. Everything flavor wise. Um, a unified brand is not is, is is tough for us to pin down. Um, so we haven't been able to pull the trigger. On that no, but and, but you. You can, if you have the right artist, especially, you can find a look that always says, "Hey, this is us," that always looks very similar, and then well, 
and this, then your brand is on there as well. There's different ways to go about it. Um, there, if you look in like the music world, there are artist bands that have their logo Metallica, say for example, and that never changes. Like it's yeah. always that. But then there are other bands. You know, I think of like Blink One Eighty Two. I think their logo changes like every six months. Like and their website, the whole look of their website changes every six months. I guessing they sell a lot of merch because there's constantly you know yeah. there's constantly a new design or something uh coming out but i kind of like this always a little different if the only thing is to to your point being able to spot it on the shelf where's ingenious yeah. being able to spot it on the shelf could be could be a thing we don't need to worry about that because the only place you get our our beer in cans is at our brewery. So there's not okay. there's no right. So you don't have a shelf. Uh, Correct. A We're shelf not issue. fighting for shelf yeah. space at HEB because uh, the only place to get our cans currently is, is if ours. if you had the opportunity to go into HEB or Specs and you could kind of do it on your own terms without having to uh, use a distributor, would you do it? We're constantly uh, approached by beer shops and grocery store chains and liquor stores. Hey, we want your packaged want your product yeah. on our shelves. What can we do to get it there? Um, we just haven't committed to it for several reasons. Number one, we haven't needed to because the beer is flying off the shelves of the brewery. Number two, it, in order to do that, you have to get TABC label approval for every single can, and when you're changing it when every changing single time, it becomes it, yeah. a uh, This is really a different... What you're doing is a different concept. A logistics really problem. Is. So yeah. um, we'd have to really be ahead of the curve on what we're going to brew. Well, so we're road. back to like that uh, cigar thing where you can just release a certain series of cans and then fill it with... Or do you have to do it the other way around? Well, I remember... Um, you know, uh, there was a bar down on uh, Westheimer where I used to go that all they did was like their taps were just like one through 16 and then they had a chalkboard here's what's in number one here's what's in number two uh that's a I, i'm sure there's a lot of bars that do it that way because it keeps them from having to you know change the handles and right, change right. the artwork and all, all that kind of stuff i suppose you could do beer a beer b <laughs> what's beer c this month i don't know that would probably take some of the fun out of it i, <laughs> I, I, agree. Yeah. I agree all right um so let's try a, another one in this segment and while we do that i, I want to uh, while you're uh, looking for that I, I'll, I'll just mention and this obviously is a part of the craft beer industry that doesn't really intersect with what you do but the bigger breweries including the bigger craft breweries uh, are continuing to lower their prices on craft beer, especially by using bulk packaging like uh, 24 backs and stuff. Uh, Founders kind of started the trend uh, with their all-day IPA, their yeah. sessionable IPA that came out a year or two ago, um, and selling it in 15 packs, and it starts to get you know pretty affordable when you buy it that way. A lot of the brewers are uh, you know are kind of following suit on that. Um, what uh, what is your pricing like when you go? Do you sell in four packs? Do you sell in uh, six packs, individual cans? If I'm at the brewery, how am I buying? If if I'm buying cans, and obviously you're using the sixteen ounce cans too, which are the taller ones. So if you're buying cans, specifically cans at our brewery, you're getting a four pack of sixteen ounce packaged product. So we don't own a canning line. We employ a mobile canning line, American Canning, out of Austin. They come in. We go fill, empty our tanks into cans. Here are the labels, and they make the product. Boom, 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 and boom, then, boom, boom, and, and then that's what you have canned until they return. Correct. Okay. And so that's how we do. That's how we do canned products. Um, if you're getting beer off of our tap lines, it's going to be in 
you know, we talked about half pours, but but what 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 does that mean? Well, it's going to either be a 12 ounce or 16 ounce pour, dependent on the ABV. If it's a barrel aged special project, it's probably going to be just an eight ounce flat pour. There's no half pours on the barrel aged stuff, and pricing is 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 exactly based off what it costs us to make the beer so right. every beer is a different price so and, beers and, and that take longer to you know longer uh, more ingredients you know mm-hmm. oranges cost more than grapefruits and then so right, on and so right. forth so it's just it, it depends vanilla beans the most expensive thing we probably buy uh, if there's a lot of vanilla bean in it, the beer is going to cost a little bit more. If mm-hmm. it's a 10% beer, it costs more than a 5% beer mm-hmm. because there's more grain to it. So mm-hmm. um, people ask us all the time, like, why so is your beer more expensive than Miller Lite? Well, we put a lot more product into our beer. Yeah. Uh, yeah right. <laughs> well, and there's also the fact that you're not mass producing it. Too. Correct. The, that's, that's a big thing that I think a lot of people don't understand about craft beer in general. Even the largest craft breweries are still not producing nearly the quantity that Budweiser is producing of Bud and Bud Light. So there's there's a whole you know there's a whole issue of that in terms of in terms of price and and those guys can you know they can corner the market on certain things yeah. they can uh, they can uh, you know kind of control how the pricing works on certain you things. You know that to some degree though that's working a little against them because their price point is at the $6 to $7 per uh, six pack range and people perceive that as cheap beer, mm-hmm. whereas craft beer is at the ten dollar, you know, nine ninety nine, and they say, oh, that must be better. So let me so ask you, the, the, it is. The, what's that? <laughs> well, of course, well, of it course. Is. But I mean, the psychology behind that is kind right. of funny because that's something the big beer companies have to try and fight is their their quality perception because their beer's cheaper. Well, let me ask you this, you Ian: uh, if if you see, you know, the fifteen pack of Founders and it's getting down into that cheaper price range, does it, in a psychological way, make you think that's not as good a beer? No, because I think founders like, can do pretty much no wrong. Well, I, I, like, I mean, I, I, mean I, I understand, but, but that's like, me. But does it impact your thinking about the quality of the beer? If you see a craft beer that you know is good, but it's beginning to sell for less. It's it's selling in that Miller Lite, Bud Light price range. No, do I, you look at it differently? Because, no, because I'm a craft beer drinker, so I, I understand what that craft beer is. So I think uh, I think what ends up happening is like what I'm just talking about there is the people who sometimes drink craft beer, but most of the time drink the macro brews, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right, that's, right. that's the perception. That's the occasional curve, right? craft. If beer, you're yeah. a craft beer drinker, you expect to pay ten dollars, and when you see something a little cheaper, like. Like uh, uh, Real Ale's uh, uh, Devil's Backbone at mm-hmm. 8% for like $12 for a 12-pack? Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's a pretty good deal, you know? Well, and when you see something more expensive, something that's, you know, on up there for a 4-pack, you kind of go, well, this must be something special. Right, I'm willing to you pay because I'm willing to try it. So right, that's right. why I like And especially like when you're doing a 16-ounce can like this at a 4-pack, you're getting almost a 6-pack anyway at that right. point. Absolutely. You know? So, Absolutely. I mean, what's, you know. So, so it comes. Speak- I'm sorry. Go ahead. It comes back to your price per value ratio. Your price for yeah. quality. Yeah. Price for quality. Yeah. Absolutely. So speaking of uh, something a little different, tell us this is another Froyo, isn't it? So the the six cans released yesterday. Three of them were Froyos. <laughs> okay. Um, which is again our milkshake uh, IPA. 
This is the second of the series. We'll drink the third here in a minute. But this one's the Fuzzy Navel Double Froyo. Okay. And this is a, a double IPA with peaches and oranges. This is so orange. Yeah, it yeah. really is. In fact, it even it, looks like orange juice in it, the. It as that looks as much like actual orange juice as I yeah. think any beer that I've ever seen. I mean, if you set this in front of me at breakfast, yeah, not only would I be happy, but, <laughs> but I would probably think it was orange juice. Until I wouldn't I explain it to anybody. No, no. <laughs> I'd be like. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the only thing this is missing is a little pulp, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I bet they can arrange that too if they really want to. I love to. the mouthfeel on this. The double IPA must have this just huge, because everything you're doing here is based on that double IPA, right? So the Froyo series has a different uh, malt bill than, say, a double IPA, which we'll drink next. Na- oh, uh, not, we'll drink not in a little based, bit. Oh, it's based on um, the uh, milkshake. So our milkshake IPA has a different IPA, malt okay. bill than just, say, a double IPA, because mm-hmm. uh, this has lactose in it. That affects the mouthfeel, that mm-hmm. affects the body. Um, it affects the sweetness, obviously. So this one, I feel like has it has kind of uh, turned the volume up on uh, bitterness, but mm-hmm. interestingly, it's not. It doesn't come across like a hot bitterness, but it's it comes bitter- across like a uh, like, like an orange, orange peel. Juice, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like orange peel bitterness. Yeah, that's what's uh, yeah. In it. very much like orange juice. This is. Mm. I, I can't believe the mouthfeel on this is so huge. It's like an orange juice. Like a no sugar added, like you know when you drink the orange juice, yeah. that's like the the when you go to fresh squeeze, right. literally squeeze it right, right there. In front exactly, of you. but it but it doesn't have anything to sort of counteract the the tart or the bitter. Mm-hmm. You're just getting pure orange juice. That's what it that's what it reminds me of. Well, this is this is fantastic. Now, froyo, you've always got some kind of froyo available on tap. Correct, just cans, like the Smarty right? series will always right. have some froyo available. Uh, and it'll be just what fruit do we mm-hmm. do we adjunct it with, or what? Some Froyo will do vanilla, double vanilla, double Froyo is one of our favorites. Do you, have you had uh, something that you guys have put on tap? And you thought this is going to be a huge hit, and uh, we're going to wind up putting this in cans. It's going to be one of the favorites, and it didn't perform the way you thought. Or are you able to kind of predict how these will do as they come out pretty well? We have been extremely fortunate to have a, a avid fan base. Um, who will come in and give us very honest feedback of things, and it's almost always been positive. But that stems from our department. We'll, I, and I won't release a beer if it doesn't meet my criteria. And I'm right. I'm a super harsh critic on myself if if it doesn't this doesn't taste exactly what it's saying. Look, this better taste like fuzzy navel to be called fuzzy navel double <laughs> right, I'll just right. put it that way. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I've had a lot of beers that have a name, and you get this idea. You drink and it, doesn't you drink taste it anything up, like, like it. Yep, that I drives totally me that. absolutely crazy. So. Even if it's pretty good, the fact that it didn't meet that expectation has you thinking. Correct. Yeah. Don't call it banana bread if it doesn't taste like banana right, bread. Exactly. I, mean, like, I don't care what yeast you used. If it has hefeweizen notes, like that right. doesn't count. Right. Yeah. So, if, it, if it doesn't make you think, oh, banana bread, you shouldn't yeah. call it banana bread. That's I totally agree. So that's my logic. So. So step one, I'm not going to release yeah, anything. I'm looking that, at you, that, Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> there are some breweries up in Portland that keep doing that. They keep releasing yeah. something. Banana bread's a perfect example. They call it banana bread, and then you taste it. You go, well, this is good, but this this doesn't taste like banana bread at all. What are you doing? And it's those hipsters up there in Portland. You know, uh, I guess maybe maybe if you get it in your beard, 
in a day or two, it does like give you a sort of a banana bread thing. But beyond that, I don't know. P- placebo effect of years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I'm know. sorry, I interrupted you with a with a very ridiculous with a tirade, even ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> with a very ridiculous how you, tirade. How do you really feel about this cruise? <laughs> and we just lost our uh, two visitors from Portland. From Portland, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, let's say looking at the cities: Portland zero, Dallas zero. Okay. <laughs> And apparently the homebrewers have all left because I pissed them off too. So uh, no, I'm 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 really just kidding. But but uh, there are some great breweries in Portland. In fact, there's about uh, seven thousand great breweries yes. in, in Portland. Uh, but uh, uh, but anyway, uh, this this is a wonderful beer. I mean, um, I think um, it, what's difficult so about orange. what what would be difficult for me, and I will be out very very soon to visit you because I just want to look at. The taps. I just We're, want to look let's, at. Them. Let's make a. Uh, and, and let's, let's road let's trip. Make a field no, don't day. just go and look. You got to do a trip. But but here's the thing that I'm worried about, and and uh, they call this in the marketing world like uh, a paralysis by choice. Like if I try half pours of. A handful of things, just like we're trying these samples here today. Like I have no idea what I'm going to want to buy and take that's, on. That's analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis. Thank you. Uh, like, do you do you have that problem? Like, people want to take some home, but they don't know what to buy because they've tried so many things that they like. Just like I've already done today. So the answer to that is, uh, is yes. If you have 24 things, you can't try them all. Mm-hmm. You, that's going to happen no matter what. But Challenge what accepted. what I. <laughs> expect of the, any beer that comes out of our place is it's going to be good so there's no wrong choice so you can try five you can take three home and all eight of those will be good and try five take three home that you didn't try i like this yeah. see this th- th- i like that's that that's forward good thinking logic. right there so if you like ipas i want our ipa to be a, a quality product and in fact if it's not you shoot me an email justin at ingeniousbeer.com you say hey i bought this i didn't i didn't try it when i was there i bought a crowler of it, it wasn't good I will give you 100% money back. I'll probably give you a free pint as well. Uh, that's how much I believe in our product. Um, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. It, I it, mean, it, it really is. That's It's not that. Usually you can't take the empty crowd back and go. If you can bring I an empty crowd like back it. and say, I didn't like it, I will give you your money back. All right. All right. they got to be able to look you in the eye, though. <laughs> <laughs> They don't. They just email me. They don't even have to look me in the eye. Um, that's how much I stand by the product. Because I love that though. Because we we quality is number one. Again, we're not. This is not the financial model. This is the we want to make a great product for this city. Well, yeah. What, model. What I love about this, and you know, it's the same thing in in the cigar world with some of the people that we've met and the whole, uh, you know, being out at the Al- Aladino, um, mm-hmm. uh, the passion that they had. For tobacco and for making those cigars, and just like the passion that I hear from you when you're talking about why you do this, and it's not you're not doing this to get rich. Although I'm sure, look, there's nothing wrong with getting rich, but but that's not why you're doing this. You're doing this for the love of the beer. Correct. Yeah, you already have I, a job. You're I have a great day job. I I, <laughs> I do very well as a physician. I don't need this. Is right. not my this my is not your golden parachute. This right. is my passion, and and that is how I drive everything. And everyone who works with us, um, you know, I make sure that they're more than adequately compensated for what they do. Uh, and there's no uh, there's some other breweries out there who've really oh we're real popular anyone will work for us so I can right. lowball the pay that's not how we that's we how roll. I got Ian by the way uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
So, oh, to work with me? Oh, he'll do it for peanuts. <laughs> Free samples. Samples. <laughs> samples, yes. All right, I tell you what, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk whiskey. We'll be trying the Wild Turkey Forgiven, and I have some uh, some whiskey cities to talk to you about that, according to a, uh, a pretty interesting article that I came across this week, should be on your bucket list if you're a whiskey lover. So uh, we'll be right back with our uh, next segment. It's show number 147, Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, uh, show number 147. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, uh, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Love Bacon. that little blast of the of the suffers there. So excited because I have tickets to go and see them in a couple of weeks. They're so good. I'm so psyched. They're so good. So much fun. Uh, welcome back to the show. Um, the uh, website called The Travel. Uh, there's so many websites out there. But you can kind of look at a website and it you can tell pretty quickly if they seem to have their act together or if it's just like a a source for clickbait type type stuff you know what i mean not that not that some websites that have their right. act together don't do clickbait but uh the travel does look pretty interesting for travelers uh and i ran across this article on their site um that is 10 cities that every whiskey lover needs to add to their bucket list. So I thought I'd uh, go over these uh, with you, Ian, and you can tell me. While you talk about yeah. that, if you hand me some glasses, I'll go ahead and start distributing do, our I will do daily, just that because uh, our daily uh, whiskey. So before I get into the article, tell me what the whiskey is that you're about to So pour. we're about to have the Wild Turkey Forgiven. Do you want me to talk about it right you now just, or do you want to wait? You just took the... Uh, um, uh, you just took the wrapper of the cellophane off the top of this. I haven't popped the cork yet. Have you tasted this before? I have not. This is brand oh, okay. new. Right, well, so this is brand new to me. I think that this was a limited release. Um, this is uh, number 302, uh, batch number 302. All right. But this has a little story behind it. Uh, it says, uh, when our uh, when our distillery's crew unwittingly mingled a very rare high-proof rye. I love with. That. Perfectly that, were t- that, t- that turn out great. Right. Yeah. With perfectly aged bourbon, our associate master distiller discovered they had created something exceptional. A whiskey blend that's big, bold, and spicy, yet exceptionally smooth. Needless to say, all was forgiven. <laughs> so that's what they that's what they say about all it. Right. And then on the back. And then forgiven is the name of the whiskey. Yeah. So this is a small batch blend of bourbon and rye. The batch was never intended. With just one taste, our associate master distiller, Eddie Russell, knew the mistake was uh, more a masterstroke because it married the very best qualities of our robust rye whiskey and a fine bourbon vanilla oaky taste pointing perfectly towards a cinnamon clove and pepper finish aged of course in our number four alligator charred barrels something we'd never leave to chance Ian, am i correct in 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 thinking that wild turkey kind of had the reputation of being kind of like your grandpappy's whiskey like that, that yeah. it wasn't that it wasn't necessarily a you know a more modern sort of take well, on so the genre. wild turkey and especially the like because the 101 proof wild turkey is just such a big crazy flavor and a lot of, i think because it's not very expensive mm-hmm. uh it gets that reputation of oh we'll just take this and shoot it well mm-hmm. in 101 proof that's pretty devastating to most college it's a, students. It's a pretty bad. 
<laughs> but not are, through their wallets. You are correct, sir. But not <laughs> me included. So, so they can keep they can keep shooting it is the thing. Uh, and so what the, happens is the devastation I think, I think much like I think much like uh, much like the fact that a lot of people have had uh, tequila incidents. Um, mm-hmm. I think the wild turkey falls under that too. But the the thing is, wild turkey is good whiskey. Like it really right, is. Right. Uh, it's good whiskey. It's I not something I've had, you want to really sit and do a bunch of shots of. Yeah. But as as sipping and and hanging out, and I always put uh, you know a couple pieces of ice in it uh, when I'm having the you know the regular wild turkey. I saw this one. This is a limited release. I don't know if you can get it now. I don't know much about it other than what I just read off the thing. This is a forty five percent or um, ninety one proof, if you will. Limited edition. Uh, it just looked interesting. I thought right. it was, it was, and it wasn't like a particularly high price point. I think I paid fifty bucks for it ish. All right. So um, I Ooh, thought we'd try it. Nice, nice. As you can oh, tell, it smells great. Uh, we use really high tech sound effects. Oh yeah, sure. yeah that was that well, was not the uh, that's what we're generally our sound after. effects. That was not are the sound generator. They're generally, you know, we go for authentic when we're actually doing the. Uh, yeah. Either authentic or really, really tinny. One of the two. That's, that's what we like. So I will say this um, while you're pouring in uh, this this list of cities that are uh, that should be on the bucket list for uh, for whiskey vans. Um, I found it pretty interesting, and I I think I agree with a lot of them. They start out at number ten with Seattle, Washington, uh, and they talk about the fact that even though Seattle's maybe more widely known for coffee, and certainly they're known for some pretty good craft beer as well, uh, they say, you know what, it's actually a pretty good whiskey destination, and they mention a couple of bars that are worth traveling for, including Cannon Whiskey and Bitters Emporium, uh, and Rob Roy and Liberty Bar. I like that they would even name a bar Rob Roy. That's, <laughs> that's just cool. That's just cool. Uh, number nine on the list is Chicago. Chicago, Illinois. Uh, as American whiskey uh, goes, most folks mind straight toward the southern states, they say, but there are plenty to boast about up in the Great Lakes area. Chicago is quietly churning out some of the best whiskey vibes across the country. And Chicago, of course, was one of the go-to spots for alcohol during Prohibition. So yep. it would stand a reason uh, that they know their whiskey. At number eight, Osaka, Japan. Um, Japan's oldest distillery was the, the Suntory uh, Yamazaki Distillery, uh, which is not too far from Osaka. And no whiskey-inspired tour of Japan, they say, would be uh, complete without a right. stop there. Yeah, And then they also have Japan at number seven with Tokyo. Uh, they say uh, no visit to Japan is complete without a trip to Tokyo either, and a whiskey lover uh, cannot sweep this city under the rug and miss out on some of the world's best nectars. So they're saying, go go whiskey shopping, go bar hopping in uh, Tokyo, and and try the whiskey. I, I was and uh, there will be karaoke too. Oh was, yeah, oh, there will be. I was in both of those cities last year uh, on a whiskey tour. Did you karaoke? Uh, I did not karaoke, <laughs> but but I, I have I can I can comment on the whiskey selection uh, yeah. if we have time. Uh, well, go ahead. Yeah. I think this is interesting. Right so here. I would say Japan is a fantastic place to visit if you like whiskey. And it's not just for Japanese whiskey because right. American whiskey and bourbons have been shipped there for many, many years. In fact, it's been popular there before it's been popular here. You know, we had a resurgence before the, in the last renaissance. 10 years. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. 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 And uh, so not either of the cities you've named, and, and it probably is not on the list, but it should be, is Kyoto. Kyoto is the old capital of, of Japan. Um, and this was part of the whiskey tour that you were on? Correct. So we went to Tokyo and several other places, Kyoto and Osaka. and But we had the best whiskey in, in Kyoto. In any of those cities, you're going to get you're gonna get all the Habikis and the Kushnus mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Yamazakis. Everything you want, you're going to get. But, but in Kyoto, every 
all the good whiskey bars, they had dusty bottles of American bourbon that you wouldn't be able to find in any city. Oh, in, in the any United American States. bar. Oh, so nice. I was drinking wild turkey, uh, barrel proof wild turkey from the 80s. Wow. Uh, <laughs> off the shelf there at the price that they was set back in 1980. It was like $6 a pour. And it was that that's a $1,000 plus bottle now because it's such an old gym that you're never going to have. Right. I, in fact, we were talking about Chris Hart earlier. I, I was drinking. I'm sending him pictures. I'm like, can you believe what I'm just getting right now for $6 a pour? And he's like, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> he's, he's, hoping he could, he's hoping he could call an Uber. So, you know? <laughs> uh, so we were drinking just all the best of American whiskey from 1980 currently in kyoto you can get for six dollars a pour um uh, because no one everyone there all the tourists are drinking japanese stuff they're going there for the habikis right, and right. Stuff. they're trying that so, stuff because they're there and the locals so, are drinking you know what i'm things. thinking you buy the flight i'll pay for the whiskey okay I, I we have to time out something in here just just you and me for a second um he really knows this whiskey and he brings amazing beers so if it's okay with you I just want you to know you have an open invitation to be on any week's show you want to be on. Oh, that's so nice. so you know we call it Cheers. pod crashing. Yeah, we call it pod <laughs> crashing. Anytime you want to show up, you know, bring something to drink, and you are immediately we, in the door. Before we try, I haven't tried this yet, but I just get it close to my face, and it has a little bit of bubble gum to it. Ooh, very interesting. I, I, I like. Is that just me? Don't think I would have expected that. Like this smells like. Bubble gum, like yeah. when I popped it open, I was like, bubble "It gum. does smell like whiskey, but it has a certain, you know, that smell that you get when you first unwrap the bubble gum." The classic, yeah, pink bubble gum, you know, like, right, 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 like super bubble or double bubble or whatever it was called. This is delicious. Oh, you've already tried it. Yeah, I just yeah. tried it. It's, this in, is, Ian is known is... for doing extensive research. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Well, I like to be you, – you see, you like to, to take time great. on the mic. So what I do is, is I great. try to do my research while you're talking, mm-hmm. which allows me great. to do, by the way, a lot of research. Which uh, and, like and is, tons of has research. made you really, really good at it, and I think that's important. <laughs> Just while you're talking, tons of this research. Is, this is great. I'm not getting bubble gum necessarily on the flavor, although there's a little tiny hint of it maybe in the finish. But the, uh, you get that big, that big cinnamon, that big whiskey That's, cinnamon. It's huge cinnamon there, flavor. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because this has a little bit less mouthfeel than I was expecting from mm-hmm, it as mm-hmm. well. But it's not necessarily bad either. It's less, less oily than I was kind of expecting. It has that rye spice that mm-hmm, really finishes mm-hmm. it up. This has a lot of great things going for it. There's almost an almond kind of flavor going on on yes, the aftertaste, yes. too. I agree. There's a lot of stuff going on in this. You had a great palate, This was man. a you're, fine. You're, you're, picking, you're picking them out here. <laughs> yeah, at 50 bucks, I'm already thinking you oh, got a, an you get a, fine, a good yeah. deal there. Um, on our list, uh, number six is Edinburgh, Scotland. And I'm actually a little surprised that's not higher on the list. Because right. if you're going to do scotch, you, got, you, you would have to go to Edinburgh. I've never been. I would... But that's that's definitely on my bucket list for cities to go to. Uh, Edinburgh, um, the countries all around uh, the world, including the U.S., Scotland reigns supreme as the biggest producer of whiskey. Tell that title for a hundred years, and of course there are 120 active distilleries spread across Scotland. So, which is not that big, by the way. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> Edinburgh a- is a perfect home base unless you want to go to number five, Glasgow. Uh, Yeah, and undoubtedly there are pubs, restaurants, and bars galore scattered across the city of Glasgow, they say, 
but there are just as many whiskey-related attractions uh, outside of, uh, you know, just right outside of the greater uh, Glasgow area. And Glasgow and Edinburgh are only like, what, like an hour's drive or train ride mm-hmm. away from each other. So it's a, it's an easy thing to go and do both of those. Here's an idea. Go and, like, stay in a little inn in one place for a couple of nights and then, you know, take the train up, stay in the uh, stay in the next city uh, for, for the next couple of nights. What... What a great tour that would be. That would be awesome. The the challenge would be remembering making, it. Yeah, making sure you take enough pictures so that you can actually remember <laughs> it when you get home. Or to uh, prove to yourself that you actually did it. I'm a little surprised at city number four, but having lived there, I can tell you, yeah, this might be deserved. Uh Washington, DC, USA. The uh the vibe in Washington is very whiskey uh forward. I think largely because of the machinery of politics, I think so many politicians are whiskey uh, whiskey fans. That'll and then, make you drink. And it's not well, yeah, absolutely. And it's not just the politicians, but it's the whole industry that rises up around the politicians. Now, maybe I'm simplifying this too much. I don't know, but uh, for the beer world, and it's probably this. I would imagine it's the same for the spirits world. Washington D.C. is one of the few areas you do not have any label laws whatsoever. You mm-hmm. can, I could sell Ingenious mm-hmm. Beer there tomorrow because they don't have a – there's no TABC of Washington, right, D.C. Right. So you can get mass conglomerates of, of booze there and sell it legally. So mm-hmm. if you own a bar in Washington, D.C., you can go to Washington State. You can go to Kentucky. You can buy anything you want, and you could sell it at your bar. Uh, I think that's probably uh, oh, wow. play, nice. plays a role into it. Nice. Uh, and number three is Lynchburg, Tennessee, U- USA. Uh, and you know, of course, Tennessee whiskey is a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's it's going to be a thing. It's always there's a song always about it. Be a thing. I believe there is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think there's, um, you know, even if you're not the world's biggest fan of Jack Daniels, and of course, if you're not, it probably just means you haven't tried the right Jack Daniels. But having said that. It, this is this is kind of like it's kind of like going to St. Louis and not going to the Anheuser Busch Brewery. Doesn't matter your feelings about macro beer. You got to go see what that brewery is. The like. history. It's it's the history, right? It's the history of beer, and uh, especially the history of beer in the United States. Uh, so obviously, the area of uh, Moore County is a completely dry county. <laughs> Meaning that the sale of alcohol is prohibited. Well, you talk about TABC laws. Uh, that would be the only uh, exceptions are the commemorative Jack bottles of the White Bo- Rabbit Bottle Shop and the Distillery's Sampling Tour. Those are exceptions to the dry wow. uh, county uh, rule. Uh, but you won't be able to necessarily drink to your heart's content, but the chance to tour one of the most famous distilleries in the world can't be ignored. Uh, and then. There's the other big American whiskey destination, which is Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and uh, Kentucky is one of the American states that you know really lives and breathes whiskey. You can actually walk down Whiskey Row, which is a block-long stretch of distilleries. Mm-hmm. Angel's Envy, Evan Williams, Jim Beam, Kentucky Peerless, Rabbit Hole, Bullet, Old Forester, a few oh, that you've heard of. Oh, who's heard of any of yeah, those? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, with a list that long, you're guaranteed yeah. to find something that you're, uh, plus, you're going to like. Plus so. you can drink. <laughs> yes, and you can drink yeah. it there, which is good. And then about an hour outside the uh, city, you can find the Maker's Mark Distillery, which is part of the American Whiskey Trail and the Kentucky Bourbon Trail as well. Number one on their list was New York City, New York, New York. Um, the Big Apple is abundant, of course, with things to do, uh, but they say 
no matter what area of the uh, concrete jungle that you find yourself in, whether it's Brooklyn, Manhattan, the Bronx, somewhere in between, a Scotch on the Rocks or a Neat Bourbon is never too far away. And they mention the New York Distilling Company as well as Kings County Distillery, two of the more renowned distilleries. Uh, and they uh, also mention uh, some of the bars. I mean, the, the thing about New York City is it's easy for it to win almost any one of these lists just because of the sheer abundance of choice right. that you find in in a city that large and that's got that many people uh, that that tightly packed. So I don't know if I'd have put it above, you know, Kentucky and and uh, and Tennessee, or or maybe even the Japanese cities. Uh, and you're shaking your head. You agree with that? Yeah, one hundred percent. I I think that's a cop out. Is that you can actually go into a, there's plenty of liquor stores you can go walk in New York City and there's Pappy on the shelf there. So mm-hmm. you can't find that any of those other places. So I'll agree with that. But it's two thousand dollars for that <laughs> bottle of Pappy, and that's why uh, it's there. That's and why it's so, still on the shelf, right? Yeah. And, and and yes, you can go and get a, a fantastic poor bourbon in New York, and I've done it many times, and it's. Th- Five times the cost is is every other city on that list. By the way, and that's so, that's true whether you're buying a pour of bourbon or whether no, you're buying a diet Dr Pepper. It's the right. same. It's the same situation everywhere. I mean, I I still remember being in uh, New York. Well, I don't know. It was it was like ten years ago. We were staying at a hotel, and I I, I wasn't happy with the hotel's uh, beverage uh, selection for room service. I thought, oh, there's just there's a little packy across the store. I'll just go over there and grab some Diet Dr. Pepper. I went and got a six-pack of Diet Dr. Pepper, and it was like $18. Yep. I'm like, are you kidding me? I know it's Manhattan, but $18? This is five bucks at home. So I had uh, friends come from the New York area down uh, to hang out at one point in time, and we went up to the bar and we were drinking. They could not believe how inexpensive beer mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Could not believe that there was any beer that you could even buy that was under five dollars for a glass at a bar. Yeah, right. Like that just boggled their minds. They <laughs> couldn't stop talking about it all night. <laughs> but but it just applies to everything: food, bourbon. Drink. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I mean, you can go out and have a great meal for you know under one hundred and fifty dollars. You know, great I want to, I want to back up meal. just yeah. a hair and pat myself on the back. This whiskey oh, is dude good. You you absolutely should. If I see and this on the shelf again, and I don't know that it's still available, but if I see it on the shelf again, I'm buying another one. It's it's really fantastic. Tell me what beer you poured for us here. Uh, so the beer that we're pairing with our whiskey is a beer that has whiskey in it. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not technically, but uh, <laughs> so so this particular beer is the barrel aged Make Russia Great Again with barrel aged Kofefi. <laughs> so that's a play on. Was that your was that your first uh, beer? You said that you so, uh, that you can. So Make Russia Great Make Russia Great Again was our first beer that we brewed. It's our it's our big robust. Uh, imperial stout and okay. the reason we brew that first is because we knew we were going to put it in some barrels to age to and age, it takes right. time so yeah, it so, made sense so to get started right. exactly you got it and so this is uh and, and over time you know we've been open year year and a half things have evolved and this is mm-hmm. a, a you know a newer iteration thicker longer boil uh, with more body and more ro- robust roasty characters so this particular one uh was aged in in Four Roses barrels. Boy, it'd be cool if we did it in wild turkey barrels for this particular yeah. podcast. But um, so still, th- we love Four Roses. Yeah, Four We're Roses, is huge great. fans. So back in November of last year, I received five Four Roses barrels. Um, we put Make Russia Great Again in four of them, and the other barrel we sent to our friends, uh, our friend Alex at uh, District Roasters in Houston here and he put green coffee beans in that barrel which gives it a gives those coffee beans a incredible 
whiskey taste. It's awesome. It's it, barrel aged coffee is one of the coolest things ever. Now, the only downside is if you have an office job and you're drinking barrel aged coffee every day, there's no alcohol in it, but you smell like you you've been drinking whiskey all like night. Like <laughs> so, I love it. I so love that's it. the downside, but yeah. but it's it is incredible. So so for this particular beer, we took our our barrel aged stout that was in Four Roses barrels and blended it with barrel aged coffee uh, that was made in the same barrel. Um, and we married it together and then released it. And this was actually released last month. Fantastic. And um, so it's 13%. So this is a, this is, uh, yeah. this'll, mm-hmm. this'll do this it. Do the boy. job. That's this right. You know, boy. it's, it's amazing. Cause the, the, the chocolate and coffee notes that I get and the, um, and the cinnamon they, from it, the whiskey. It's, yeah. And it's just not as boozy as I thought it would be for 13%. It's it's might be one of the smoothest coffee stout, maybe one of the smoothest thirteen percents I've ever had. Yeah, I agree. It is it it still almost has a bit of that milkshake vibe to it, where you and there's no lactose. Yeah, yeah, where you feel like you could just like quaff it down. Yeah, it's got huge mouthfeel to it. It's got um, I like the lack of carbonation too in this. This works really well. Um, It's just just enough to make it interesting, but not enough to interfere with it tickle yeah it's almost like i don't know it's almost like uh, what do you call it uh when you have um half beer half hot chocolate uh, i'm not half beer half coffee half hot chocolate is is a what Mm, is there a word for that beer and hot chocolate not not beer hot chocolate and coffee Uh, half and half oh i don't know whatever that's called that's that's what this reminds me of but with a little bit of a boozy beer vibe uh to it it's really really delicious this really, uh, uh, this really has that breakfast vibe with the mm-hmm. chocolate and the coffee, mm-hmm. and so chocolate. I get, I get a lot of honeycomb, a lot of yeah. Um, uh, there's some caramel in there. There's some. Uh, I mean, the coffee is definitely front and center, but it's 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 muted. It's not real super bitter astringent coffee. It's the so, the oaky vibe on the end is really nice too. Right. That's so. Let's talk about what happens when you. Take several sips of this uh, of this stout, and then you go back to the wild turkey famous, or was it famous? Did I get that forgiven. right? Um, forgiven. Forgiven. Sorry, wild turkey forgiven. Forgiven. Uh, hopefully, I'll be forgiven for getting that wrong. Um, I, the whiskey is even smoother. Yeah. When you come back to it from this, almost like it turns it into kind of a straight whiskey and, or a straight yeah. cinnamon and vanilla bomb yes. at that point. Yeah. It's almost scary how smooth it is if you come back yeah. to it after the uh, after the stout. And and vice versa when I when I drank the stout first and then I drank the whiskey and then I went back to the stout some of the initial booziness of a 13% was nullified was because I just muted. drank yeah, straight yeah. whiskey and now right. I'm getting more more notes of the of the the candy a little more of the chocolate and, and the sweetness chocolate. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's fun it's fun uh how the the coffee bitterness and the sweet stout kind of uh work with each other on, mm-hmm. the, on the palate it's really interesting how that works because like if i was going to describe this from the beginning to the end you get that sweet with the coffee flavor then you get the coffee bitterness and then when you swallow you end up with this oaky somewhat dryness in the right. back without it has a little bit of that oak oak barrel aging right without feel to it. Yeah. without too much stout sweetness mm-hmm. uh cloying it's it's not a cloying finish on it at all it's really interesting super smooth wow Okay, very impressive. We are going to take a break. We have uh, any beer left to taste in the final? We segment? do two more. Okay, uh, this is this is like 
this is how I want to spend the rest of my life. This is doing this marathon. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're calling Uber now. One yes, more segment. Uh, I'm loving it. This is uh, Smoking and Toasting. We'll be right back for our final segment in just a moment. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting, and uh, we are uh, doing some tropical beers here, so we feel a little bit like we're on the beach in Hawaii. <laughs> and we have more of that coming up, even as we move into the uh, the heftier IPAs here <laughs> in our final segment. Real quick, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, Cigar Aficionado uh, magazine uh, did a survey of retailers and asked them what the best-selling brands were in their shops. So this is not a scientific. Here's the SKUs that scanned the most from the register. They just asked the shop managers, what are the brands no, that you sell the most this is kind of a man of? on the street right, one. Kind of yeah. a man on the street one. But here's how it came out. Here's the top ten. Uh, at number ten was Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. Romeo and Julieta was number eight. Tied with uh, my father for number eight. Oh, wow. Uh, at number seven was Oliva. Uh, at number six was Perdomo. Surprising me a little that it uh, that his kind of... Uh, Beating out both Oliva and my father on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this, at number five, Rocky Patel. Nice in there with the big boys. At number four, Davidoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Ashton. Number two, Padron. And number one was Arturo Fuente. When they did this same survey a year ago, Padron was actually number one, and Arturo Fuente was number two. So it may so indicate neck and neck. that Arturo Fuentes had a. a a, a pretty good year. Again, they're saying this is what's selling at their registers. They went, you know, but Padron and Fuente, both of their lines are so good. Like you can buy anything out of either one of those lines. That's true, and you're not going to get, and a you're bad not going to be disappointed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They then asked the hottest brands, and what you had to do to get into this was be the brands that customers are requesting most often. So here's the can top I make ten. A guess, yeah, Roma Craft is way up high. Oh no, it's not on here. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's too new. Maybe it doesn't have wide enough distribution. Oh, maybe. You know, okay. to be on that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's great cigars. But you got to also think about the people that come into shops and are making these requests are not necessarily all as well-versed in cigars as you might be, for example. They may be coming in because they need to buy one for their brother-in-law who's uh, getting married. Yeah, right, exactly. I need and, some and the, boys. They, they, they want something they've, <laughs> they've heard of or whatever. So on the hottest brands list, the most requested, most asked for, my father is at number 10. At number 9, check this out, Alan Denny, our good friend, who nobody cares about. Encore by E.P. Carrillo oh, yeah. at number 9. And that's got to be a total result of them getting the number one. You know, I've got two encores left in my humidor out of that last <laughs> box I bought. Who's your friend? That's so good. Who's so your friend? <laughs> uh, you got two? I could trade you something. Uh, La Flor Dominicana at number seven, tied with Davidoff. Uh, at number six, Oliva. At number five, once again, Rocky Patel. At number four, Liga Privada from, uh, yeah, the, from Drew Estate, Drew Estate yeah. people. Uh, at number three, the Fuente Fuente Opus X. And Arturo Fuente in at number two. Padron goes to number one on this uh, on this list. I want to point out uh, Oliva. Mm-hmm. Oliva is unlike uh, some of the brands on that list. Oliva's cigars are affordable, very affordable. You know what I just bought uh, recently was a box of the Gilberto Oliva, yeah. that newest release. 
it is so inexpensive, and it's like it's become my cigar to smoke when it's a little windy. Oliva, uh, I think uh, maybe because of their price point, uh, I think a lot of people will try it. But uh, Oliva's price point is almost misleading. Those cigars are so good. Oh, and if you've had the Milano, oh my god, yeah, goodness. and that's, that's an the only cigar. one I think that breaks ten dollars in their yeah, entire yeah. line. I think you're right. And all the like, all those Series V, uh, mm-hmm. like I-, I can go for those all day long. Uh, best-selling sizes tied at number five, the Corona and the Figurado. Uh, number four is the Churchill. Number three is the Grande. That's Ian buying all those Grandes. And uh, number two is the Toro or the Corona Gorda. Mm-hmm. And the number one best-selling size is Robusto, ha. according to the internet. So, uh, you know, those are just, again, I thought those were fun to go through. You yeah. know, so I, I go through my humidor sometimes, and I'm like, man, I need a smaller cigar. So I started buying smaller cigars. The problem now you was, have too many smaller cigars. No, the problem is I still don't have any smaller cigars because I smoked them first. I'm yeah. like, oh, I only got this amount of time, so I'm going to smoke this cigar. So I still have no small cigars mm-hmm. in my humidor. <laughs> I find that the ones that I uh, I gravitate towards are sort of the medium-sized ones uh-huh. because for, for kind of the same reason. It's like, well, I don't have a lot of time, but I could probably pull this off. Or uh, I got some time, but I don't want to. I don't know if I want to commit to the uh, two-hour smoke, so I'll mm-hmm. go here. You know, you texted me a while back and said that the uh, Nika Libres were on sale. Yes, and uh, and by the time I got to it, all the uh, uh, Coronas and Mini Coronas were sold out. Okay, so I, like, I, so I got a deal for you. I'll it. bring you some Nika Libres. So I bought the Churchills, and I'm fine with it. Oh, They're yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I still don't have any small cigars in my <laughs> <laughs> It happens. I'm telling you, it happens. Uh, we are smoking and toasting. We are on show number 147. Uh, Justin, oh, I told you this I would happen. I'm going to get it. It was it was the stout that did. Yeah, that. okay. Uh, uh, Jerfy, Jerfy. Thank you. I was Ignore close. the second two letters. I was gonna I was gonna say Jerfy, which was gonna be close, but not quite right. Justin Jerfy from Ingenious Brewing is our guest today. And uh, Justin, uh, first of all. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been oh awesome. my gosh, this my is pleasure. ridiculous. Okay, Ian just tasted uh, the, uh, sure the next beer, which is another uh, double froyo. So this is the last of the double froyos. That's correct. This is the this strawberry is daiquiri double froyo. Like I've got to bring this to my wife; she will freak <coughs> out. So I was telling Justin uh, during the break when you were um, out of the room, Ian, that I was very curious about tasting this, which I haven't yet, because I've had a number of different. IPAs that I've tried from Portland, Oregon, uh, that uh, that claim to be uh, strawberry this or that or whatever. And while some of them were very tasty, like I wasn't going, "Ooh, wow, strawberry!" So he said, "I can't wait for you to taste this." So I'm well, guessing. What's, what's interesting about strawberry flavored things? The strawberry flavored things add so much sugar. Right. Strawberries are not that sweet. They're actually kind of bitter mm-hmm. mostly. Tart. Very get a tartness yeah. to them, yeah. Uh, which is why you pair them with cream, strawberries and cream. You know, right, it goes right. great with it, that. It takes you know, a, it some off of the tartness. tartness. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And a good ripe strawberry is actually pretty tart. And almost any time you get a strawberry-flavored something, it's so sweet that you can't get near it. It's almost like perfume. This tastes like strawberry tartness. Dude. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. I took a sip of it. That. I was like, holy cow, this, this might be my favorite. Favorite out of the whole so, series. Now. So this is what's happened as the uh, as the day has gone on, and this is why I'm almost a little reluctant to uh, come and, and and sit at the bar at uh, at Ingenious because my favorite keeps shifting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then that's I think, good. That's a good problem. But then I think I really like that. Uh, I should go back to that. 
Like so I'm so I'm now not sure if I just like this the most because it's the one I happen to be because it's the on one in and, my hand. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The best beer is the one you have. What's, yeah, what's your favorite beer? The one I'm drinking. The one I'm drinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, this this really is terrific, and it's very uh, it's very very strawberry. But this is it's, it's a double froyo, so that's a milkshake IPA, right? Correct. So it's a double milkshake IPA with, with strawberry, with strawberry wow. and lime. Which and is what yet, gives it, and yet I'm getting a little bit of balance. Zero of that sort of hoppy bitterness, uh, bitterness that you would expect from a double IPA. Yeah, the, it is a milkshake, but the still. finish is actually a little bit tart, more than bitter, I would mm-hmm. say, and that's that's a good thing. It's not a sour or tart beer when you, but it's interesting how this finishes. But the strawberry up front on this is so good. And then the just like all the other in the Froyo line, the uh, the body on this is. Got it's full enough to where the whole palate is satisfied on this. Correct. It's not thin. It's not going right. to be. Do you um, ever eat a strawberry in and on the strawberry on the actual berry you're eating is one of the leaves yep. from the strawberry? That's kind of what this reminds me of. Like it gives it just that little bit of like really authentic taste. It's not necessarily what they want to put on the you know strawberry shortcake. You know, because they're they're not necessarily looking for quite that thing. They're looking for more of a whipped cream kind of a vibe wow. once they do it. But but it really it really makes you think real actual strawberries. Like I, I think, just picked. I, you this know what I think? Part of it is it. too. Like I think that the particular, however you did the strawberry in this, the IPA lends itself because strawberries again have a little of that bitterness. A tartness and the IPAs and bitterness. Yeah. have that bitterness. bitterness. So, and I think that that organic <laughs> Don't kind be a of hater, feel. Ian. Don't be a hater. <laughs> I'm, I'm just bitter. Yeah. So, no this uh, this is this is absolutely fantastic. This is, just, I, hands down, this is my favorite out of the Froyo line so far, and I like all the other ones, the, especially the orange sorbet tasting one. Yes, really nice. This this one though is such like a, a masterful blend of all those things. I think, and okay. I wouldn't usually choose strawberry. Like if you lined all these up, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't be pick the first one. one you'd go no, for. Yeah, not at I all. agree. Uh, Justin, what kind of quantity of strawberries did you buy and put in this beer in order to achieve that level of strawberry-ness? A ton. So that's a, yeah. I think the most important part of that question is, number one, yes, this is real strawberries. This is an artificial flavoring. Um, mm-hmm. We get that because we use so many unique flavors. The first thing people assume is that we're putting artificial. There's not a. There's no artificial flavoring in a Genius Brewing. Everything is natural. So if you're doing a peach organic, IPA, it's peach, real peaches. Correct, yeah. and that's probably why it tastes like peaches. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's why, you know, no, uh, Portland, Oregon's peach <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> maybe it doesn't taste like peach. We're I don't totally, know. I, I'm, that, that's totally we're just totally shitting on Portland, and I apologize. <laughs> Uh, to my friends in Portland. Oh wait, I don't have any friends in Portland. Oh uh, no, no, I got, I'm I got a brother-in-law uh, that's uh, there. No, no, Port- Portland. Portland's <laughs> honestly, like seriously, Portland's a wonderful city that just occasionally takes itself a little too seriously. That's all. That's all. It's, but they do that a lot of places. So 100% natural ingredients, um, and we use a ton of them. So we'll use enough to make it come out. So well, strawberries 
are, are one of those things you have to add a ton in order to get the flavor there. Flavor. You could add sugar. Right. That would be one. You can add a little bit gonna, of strawberry, and it's not going yeah, yeah, to yeah. get the job done. Yeah. So, blueberry is even worse. You have to add so much blueberry. Because <laughs> blueberries blue- are so watery, too. They, like they have that. no flavor. They yeah. have zero flavor. It's all in the skin. Yeah. You know how much right. how it's hard in the it blueberry is skin. Right, to right. get that? So it, it's, it takes a absolute ton. So when someone goes, why is your strawberry beer $20 a four-pack? It's because I spent... Eighteen dollars a four pack of strawberries. <laughs> like, <Right>. That's why. <laughs> I'm only making. I'm losing money on this beer. I'm actually losing money. Which I totally. Uh, that's actually was one of the reasons I asked. Like, how can you afford yeah. to put that right, much right. strawberry in there to uh, get? Because strawberry is not but, cheap. No. No. Not at all. No. And especially mm-hmm. when you want, uh, you got you can't just use. HEB's leftover strawberries. Right. You, know, right. you gotta. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta keep, use really you gotta premium. Keep, you gotta keep sterility in mind so you got to get an aseptic product if you're going to you're going to puree it yourself you got to be extremely careful and that that all takes time i have to pay people to really be careful about what See, they're doing what what he's speaking to now is is why i didn't become a brewmaster because my idea of being a brewmaster is oh let's try this and there's actual math involved right. so let me explain yeah, a lot of math. let me explain yeah. a couple things like i, I have homebrewed before I, I wouldn't call myself necessarily a homebrewer but I have. But you've tried it. You've I have homebrew before, and let me explain a little bit about my homebrew experience. Okay, mm-hmm. what you do is you clean a lot of stuff. <laughs> you clean it and you sanitize it, and you clean yep. it and you sanitize it, and then you maybe make a beer, and then you clean and sanitize and then a then lot you clean of stuff. And sanitize, I yeah. can't imagine what you have to do on a full scale at a brewery, like the cleaning and sanitizing. Like you literally spend so much time. That's the part that makes me not want to. Brew at home is just how much cleaning how and sanitizing much, yeah. before yeah, sure. and after. And you have to do it before. You can't clean it uh, the last time you brewed and then just go brew. You have to re-clean everything, re-sanitize right. everything. Like, because otherwise you get like this one little thing that just trashes your entire brew. Well, it, one of the reasons I enjoy eating at a really nice restaurant is you get this great chef-prepared meal and you don't have to do the dishes. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, if your wife makes that, or if you are, you know, good enough in the kitchen, you can make that yourself. Guess what? You've got pots and pans and bowls and stuff everywhere from having to put that together. So, so when At a restaurant, brewing, you can just pay your tab and leave. So <laughs> when you're brewing, I want you to imagine this. You have to clean all of your dishes, even if they're already clean. You have to clean all your dishes before you cook. Mm-hmm. Then you cook, and you clean dishes while you're cooking. Mm-hmm. And then when you get done cooking, you clean your dishes. It's kind of like using the dishwasher. You wash the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher. Then you run the dishwasher. And then after the dishwasher there's, is done, you open it up. There is you no, take the dishes out and you no wash them There's no dishwasher in brewing. No, yeah, exactly. There's no dishwasher in brewing. It's called an assistant brewer. Yeah. Right, so, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, it's gonna. you're going to have to go some, I will tell you, Justin, uh, to top the strawberry daiquiri uh, double froyo. It's a, let me just say, I didn't read this, but it says New England style milkshake double IPA with strawberries, daiquiri mix puree, and a hint of lime. That is maybe you read that. Outstandingly bizarrely good brew. Eight percent, and it's just really, really wonderful. So the fact that you didn't save this for last makes me wonder what we have coming here. So uh, the most. Hop matter goes last always because because you're going to get a more more hops. There's more hops in this beer that coming up than any other beer we had probably combined. Uh, so this is a double dry hop, double IPA, New England style IPA, 
with Nelson, which is probably my favorite hop, uh, Matuka and Citro, which are you know silver and bronze medals there right, as well. Sure. So a little more well known. Hop bill. This is probably my favorite we've ever Why done. Why is Nelson your favorite? I, I, so Nelson is the most unique hop on the market in my mind. So it's it, white wine, uh, light stone fruit, some a little hint of melon. Motuka is another very melon friendly mm-hmm. hop. It's just it's so different than what we see in, in what the do United you think States. Yeah, yeah, we you know we get a lot of grassy, earthy, piney, citrusy. So this is the opposite of all those things. This is this mm. is it's it's unique. It is expensive and it's hard to get. So. Just like I was actually going to ask you that question, as a brewery that is as small as you guys are, fighting off competitors not only in you know the macro brews but also you know the bigger and more established, been here and doing it for a little longer uh, craft breweries. Is it tough for you to get the hops that you want? Absolutely. Uh, and getting and hops you, we want is one it? of the hardest things we do. How do, how do you actually pull it off? Like, yeah. Don't give away any trade secrets, but but like, how do you go about it if you call and everybody's like, my allotment is is already spoken for? I, I, I wish I had a cool answer to say, like that we yeah. like know a code or do something cool. No, it's more like buying something off Amazon Prime. You just got to be there at the right place at the right time. You just got to check every day. Check every day. What do they have available? They have, okay, got Galaxy. I can get some Galaxy today. I keep got looking for that. I, I get, get Nelson today. I keep looking for that Mickey Mouse-shaped um, waffle iron, mm-hmm. but I haven't found it yet. Yeah. Just check so eBay this, every day. Eventually, you'll see it. Yeah, this yeah. is delicious. Um, this has the dankness. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it certainly a, does. It's yes. not a real deep dark dankness, but it has a little bit of dank that that kind of tempers a lot of the bitter in there. And dank is a word that we use uh especially for like real hoppy beers that I don't know if if that word comes across great because it's kind of a weird word. Kind of almost sounds like it might be negative. Uh, but like yeah. some people use the word funk. This has this has like what funk is to beer, dank is also to beer, and this has a little bit of that dank on the aftertaste, and I really, really enjoy this. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, IPAs in general. IPAs to me, a lot of uh, I think I just burned out on them because like well, well a lot of them were just trying to hit you over the yeah, head. Yeah, I mean hops, just just like you know? chewing on a pine cone. I I don't get any of that from any of the mm. IPAs that I've had today, and especially this one being double hop, double IPA. This should be like big, but this reminds me a lot. Of uh, and I hope you take this in the absolute best way. Of a lot of like uh, Stone, uh, I think is one of the absolute best at making IPAs. Oh, and those guys um, are like Hop City. I mean, they're and they're, they're huge hop, but they're hop not guys. like chewing. They're not that resiny, pine coney uh, nastiness that just the West Coast general West Coast hop uh, revolution has become. This right here is very drinkable, very balanced all the way across. Well. Obviously, IPA is a popular style and has been for a while. What I really, really love about what you guys do, and, and between Ian and I, I'm definitely the IPA guy, uh, but but I will say your, your whole beer lineup, at least as it's represented by the six you brought, really leans towards what I love, which is the juicier, the less, as Ian said, resinous and and just hop for hop. This sake. has a little bit of that yeah. resiny flavor, but only but as a also, flavor, yeah, not it's as a flavor, not, not a, a dominant thing. Yeah. I, you know, I can name 
uh, the IPAs that I like, I can mostly name on on one hand, and um, and they're all very balanced, mm-hmm. all very balanced. There was there's there's the two hearted, the yellow the stone, rose, um, the yellow rose is real good. There's uh, the the ninety and one twenty minute. I'll put that on one mm-hmm. finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Shannon Brewery up in. Um, Keller, Texas, makes an IPA that's absolutely outstanding. You've been holding out on me. You have not told me this uh, I think I brought one on the show at one point. <laughs> oh, did point. you? Okay. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'm just kidding. I don't even know if they make it anymore. It's been years since I've uh, been there. But uh, And then this. This goes right up on that list almost immediately, and it's hazy, and it's juicy, and it's wonderful, and it's, it's So got- is, is this your favorite of the day? Uh, not... Including the stout? Um, I'm going to say the other beers, they're, they're so good and they're so fun. I really did enjoy the uh, strawberry. Yeah. Um, but just for straight up, like, I can't believe how much I like this IPA. This is outstanding. For a non-IPA guy. Yeah, for a non-IPA guy, yeah. that's 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 a bit. And he doesn't, uh, he doesn't hate IPAs, but, but he definitely is always looking for balance uh, in, in his IPAs. Yeah, and... and Where and, sometimes and, I can enjoy something... <laughs> A little there's, more. There's been some the times on the show where I'm like, nope, you can have that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm that way when he brings chewy beers on. And that's what I call them. If they're if they're uh, um, stouts or, or barley wines, I, I enjoy both those styles very much. I do love barley wines. But if they have solid matter in them, they have solid matter in them, I struggle a little bit. Hey, man. That's that's unfiltered chunks of deliciousness. Uh, perhaps. Flavor crystals. <laughs> Flavonoids <laughs> or, or rancid raisins I don't know, one of the two uh, But no, but uh, the, no, the reality Dead ants, is, whatever Yeah, dead ants, there you go, that's so. perfect uh, For me, I think I love this This Which, which is this last, what's this called? It's a scuba squeeze Scuba squeeze, okay um, Love this, absolutely loved the strawberry and I go back to what was the first Froyo that we had? Was it the Mai yellowish can or the Mai Tai? The that first Mai Froyo tai. was the Mai Tai. Wow, that Mai Tai was just spectacular. Oh, Froyo, just sorry. spectacular. I think I just bumped your camera. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I got to tell you, um, for me, this show has been an absolute dream because you guys are so strong in the styles of beer that I find are my favorites. This has just been a great adventure for me. Um, Ian, um, again, not being the IPA guy, you seem to react really well to everything that we had on the show today. Well, I think I think what it boils down to is uh, these are all based on an IPA that I haven't tried. The Froyo series is all based on an IPA I haven't tried. However, you get that same continuity through all of them that is a really good beer. And then with the different flavors. Well, um, I think it. I think and I think I, the 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 real shining one out of that whole Froyo series to me is the strawberry. Like that is so good, and it tastes so like like so real, real strawberry mm-hmm. and so natural and so fresh. Um, and that's great. the uh, The first beer that we tried was the um, session IPA. The session IPA, which yeah, I love the great. I love the artwork yeah. on the can. By the way, and was the, awesome. And that, and that uh, was nice too. The Berliner. Oh this, my god, though, that was great. This one kills. This one is is one of the best IPAs I've had. That is so good. Well, wow, that's high praise for me. That, that is, is so really good. good. Appreciate that. That really is. So, well, uh, Justin uh, Justin Jervey, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I love your beers, but what I love almost even more than that is your passion for beer because i know that that means that this is only like this is only a small Correct. window 
into what you guys can do and have already done and will continue uh, to do. How long has Ingenious been open as a brewery? A year and a half, not even, barely. So, so, so they're only a how's year and a half old. How's your tap room doing so far? Is it, Are you guys pretty busy and, and are you open all every day? Open or every day, you got food every day. Different every rotating food truck every single every day. Every day with food every day. Nice. Done. We're in. Awesome. We're in. It's time in. We got to go. Field trip. This is going to be this is going to be absolutely awesome. Uh, well, I I have just absolutely loved everything, and I really want to thank you uh, for bringing so much for us to sample because no, I think it's it's made for just such a uh, uh, an interesting show to be able to move from beer to beer to beer like that. And um, and quite frankly, uh, I'm spoiled. I, I, I really <laughs> I, I really am feeling uh, pretty good about myself right about now because <laughs> of what I've had the good fortune to sample. And uh, and I encourage people. Uh, to go and check out Ingenious and go do the half pours. That's what I. That's totally what I would do. Yeah, because you can drink twice as many flavors. Twice as many flavors. Bring a friend, and, and they will, uh, and they will do uh, samples for you too, so you can try out. That way, you, that way you know you're going to at least like what you're getting a half pour of. Although, somehow I, I just, after this sample of six or seven, I can't imagine. Going there and finding something that I wouldn't like on some level. There won't be a, a bad beer. There will not be yeah. a beer with an off flavor or something bad, I promise Well, you. I love your passion for this, and your passion for whiskey was awesome, too. And uh, we want to thank you for being on and extend the invitation now. We would love to have you back. Thank you. I'll be here. Please, please, uh, please, please put us on your like regular calendar to come back and go. Here's six more. <laughs> I was going to say, call us when you have new releases. Yeah. But that's what's every month. month. That's every <laughs> feel free to stop by. Yeah, yeah. Pod crash, as he said. Do it. Crash, yeah. Show up with cold beer. You will not be turned away. I don't care who. <laughs> How we're do talking you say about. no to that guy? Yeah. We we could be talking to the uh, master distiller from Glenmorangie. If you show Just up with pull cold up a beer, chair here. Yeah, if you show up with cold beer, you're part of the show. That's <laughs> That's the rule. Uh, thank you so much. And thanks to our uh, sponsors, B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave uh, in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. It's been uh, this is one of the most fun shows in a while, Ian. That has been a great time it today. It's been a great fun show. Uh, Cheers. And uh, thank you Cheers. to uh, Adam on the Wheels of Steel and uh, to Tom, by the way, who is training on the Wheels of Steel to be Adam's backup guy. Tom in training. Uh, for Tom one, in training, yes. For when uh, Adam goes out of town. Thank you, everybody, for getting us to 147 episodes and cheers. Thank you so much for uh, coming in and doing this. Absolutely.